It's six o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, injured holidaymakers flown home from Tunisia, conman doctor jailed after tricking Hertfordshire couple and St Albans Council loses latest rail freight court action. BBC Three Counties Radio. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. 18 British people are confirmed dead. It's feared the number will rise to 30. Several people suspected of having links to the gunman are being questioned by the authorities in Tunisia. Meanwhile, people from this region who have booked holidays are waiting for travel advice. Chris Bailey is a travel agent in Leighton Buzzard. We had some people actually in resort at the time of the attack in the hotel. Now, in that particular case, they were looked after very well by Thompson, who brought them home on Saturday. People that we have booked to go, some of them have chosen to cancel entirely, and the tour operators are taking a view that if they're going fairly soon, that's a reasonable thing to do. Others are rebooking for other places. A conman doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for anxiety treatments has been jailed for four years. Joseph Valadakis claimed to have worked with the Queen and a number of high-profile celebrities. More from Jessica Cooper. Valadakis of Cornwell Road in Tottenham, who had no medical qualifications, said he'd helped Jackie Collins, Robbie Williams and Lord Sugar. St Albans Crown Court heard he persuaded Philip and Emma Randerson from Hartford to pay £97,000 for treatments including snail wraps and whale sperm massages. The judge said he was nothing more than a con man. St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to grant planning permission for a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Lord Justice Sullivan told them they had no real prospect of success. St Albans Council say they're taking more legal advice before deciding their next step. Police say a man who died after his car hit a wall in Dunstable yesterday had been robbed minutes beforehand. They're trying to identify two women who carried out the theft. Police in Milton Keynes have spent the night negotiating with a man on the roof of a house in Downs Barn. They were called to Chapman Avenue just after 10pm last night. The man in his 40s then barricaded himself in and later got onto the roof. Thames Valley Police, police say he is unarmed and there was nobody else in the building at the time. There are several local road closures in place. Place. Police are trying to identify a man who attacked another passenger on a Thameslink train to Bedford. The victim woke the man up after thinking he'd missed his stop. More from Barry Caffrey. The attack happened as the train approached Luton Airport Parkway in the early hours of Wednesday 17th of June. The man reacted angrily to being woken up, punching the victim before throwing him from the train onto the platform. The attacker, who was wearing a cap, is believed to have left the train at Bedford. The 38-year-old victim from Bedford was left with a broken nose and head injuries. In sport, Andy Murray begins his Wimbledon campaign later today against Mikhail Kukushkin of Kazakhstan. A new Watford head coach, Kike Sanchez-Flores, will give his first press conference this afternoon. The weather, hot and sunny, a maximum temperature 27 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. I am broken Britain.
play with a girl's toy. This is where I belong to be. What are you beefing on about? Wendy, I wouldn't hurt you like that. No, no, no. I thought we had a love down path. Yes, I would not. The farthest thing from my mind was the day that A message from Mr. Ian Lee. Take care, because he cares. Mush it up one time. I'm working out how to use my a palette of colours. Morning, guys. Um, so this morning, we're asking, what part of you hurts? Across beds, hearts and bugs. Yep, it's true. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah. Because my legs hurt, man. My legs hurt, man. My left wrist. Yeah, I've, sorry, I've opened a second microphone. That means I have to ride the gain. Huh? My left wrist. There, no, I think it's my left foot, isn't it? Mm. Daniel Day-Lewis, mm. where he's on the floor and stuff. Mm. Um, it, wh- what have you done to your left wrist? Or shouldn't I ask? Sperm whale massage, by any chance? No. Oh. Imagine I I, that. I Imagine I... you go to the doctor who says, yeah, no, no, you're, you're quite sick. Don't worry, um, I can give you a sperm... It's not a sperm whale massage, it's... Whale, whale sperm. sperm. Worse. Oh, my God. I can give you a whale sperm massage. Where'd you get the sperm from? Whale? How'd you get it? You don't need to know. Well, you, sure it's know. From, you sure it's from a whale? Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, how, how do you know? We'll taste it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just, just there's so much wrong with that story, isn't there? Should we tell them the story? We'll tell, we'll tell them the story in a bit. I want to, I want to bring someone into the conversation who's been lacking, not just from the conversation recently, but from well, planet Earth recently. She's just got back from the Glastonbury Festival. Oh, we can't do that voice anymore. Look at the face. Look at the face on that lady. Again, you can't say that in that voice. It's Ms. Kelly Betts. Good morning. I'm going to open a third mic. I've got to ride yeah. the gain even she more. She looks like cold porridge. Thanks, guys. Just, as Justin saw um, Kelly Betts walking in and she walked past us. She's got the, she's, uh, he said, cool. Cool, look at that. She looks like she should be in like, I don't know, a ghost film or something. (laughs) (laughs) A ghost film or something. It was a good, Good it was snappy, wasn't it? Good joke. Did you have a great time at Glastonbury or don't you remember? uh, (laughs) Eh? It was excellent. Were you high on drugs? No. Good, good. That's, that's, and that's a lesson. She was working hard. Earning her keep. Is that right, Kelly? No, I wasn't working. Oh, you were what were you doing? Just having a whale sperm massage? Top class bands. Top class oh. bands. Who's the most famous person that you met? And when I say met, I don't mean saw on, on stage half a mile away. I meant actually spoke to. Oh, I didn't meet anybody. Well nobody. Not famous. Okay, who was the most unfamous person you met? Just the people I was with. There we go. He, the two phone-ins already. What part of you hurts? Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. And who's the most unfamous person you've met? Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. You look like you're going to ask her a question. You can ask her anything was, you want. I wanted to ask you about Kanye. Oh. Kanye wow. or Kanye? 
can't you? Well, he could at first, and then he lost it in the middle, and then he... he, We're talking about his performance on stage, not when he came back to your tent afterwards. (laughs) Greatest rock star on earth, apparently. Oh, He's not rock, though. Exactly. He's rap and roll. But um, Pete Townsend... Pete Townsend then said, no, I'm the biggest rock star on Yes. Yeah. He could say that a bit, couldn't he? Yeah. He could say it a, a bit. bit, a bit yeah. He could say it a bit. I mean, yeah, I'd let, yeah, he can say it a bit. Anyway, back to um, uh, massages with... Back to outrageous claims. Whale sperm. A con man who claimed he was the Queen's doctor has been jailed for four years at St Albans Crown Court for swindling two families out of almost £160,000. One of those families was from Hartford. Local, vocal, that's why we're doing it. Catherine, who is this person? Well, they're not vocal, actually, because they're too embarrassed to talk about it, but we can uh, tell you the details. This fella's name is... You have to come closer to the microphone. Joseph I've got your Valdakis. maximum gain here. Joseph Valdakis. He works under the name Joseph Hoffman. And he claimed to be a professor, amongst other things. But his claim uh, was to be a a professor with a PhD in quantum physics from Cambridge University. Oh, yeah. Joseph is from Australia and he told his victims that he'd helped celebrities like actress Liz Hurley, Jackie Collins and the street artist Banksy. Banksy isn't even real. We know that. We know he's not real. He also claimed to have treated Lord Sugar, Theresa May, Russell Brand and Robbie Williams, to name but a few. Wow. He also said that he was able to grow um, stem cells of the royals. Now, t- tongues are in cheeks here, but actually what he did was uh, was thoroughly unpleasant, yeah. wasn't it? He's a very naughty man. Indeed. These people nice came cup to him of coffee, mate. Delicious. What? People came to him in desperation and he lied to them. Um, Emma Randerson from Hartford initially went to Joseph to help with chronic anxiety. She told the jury at the trial at St Albans Crown Court that she saw his credentials, which included a PhD, and said that they gave, gave him the credibility that she was looking for at the time. Joseph Valdakis then proceeded Valadakis. to swindle... If we're going to name a con man, it's Valadakis. OK. Then proceeded to swindle around £97,000 out of uh, Emma and her husband, who was a recruitment agency boss by the name of Philip, by persuading them to pay for his products and treatments. And I'm using quote bonnies there because these treatments included snail wraps, apparently using snail slime extra. Okay, yeah. And whale sperm massages costing £2,000 a pop. Well, they don't um, really, um, you know, they don't uh, provide much, I think is is, is a way I can say that. I don't know. I've never looked into them. I don't don't know how much they pop, is is, is what I'm saying. £2,000 worth. During his dealings with the Randersons, Valadakis, who used the name Joseph Hoffman, as I said, gave, told them that Philip was suffering from pancreatic cancer, but warned them against getting a second opinion yeah, because right. it could result in the cancer spreading. He then took their money until he eventually told Mr. Randerson his cancer cells miraculously had gone. OK, so uh, how did this uh, gentleman get caught Well, the, the, Ran- the Randersons caught him out. At his trial, the jury was told that after they became suspicious, they supplied... And this is a delightful term. A cocktail of urine from various family members to Joseph. Oh, I say. Including that of Philip's father, who was terminally ill with cancer. This was to, to test him doing yeah. his tests. When Joseph reported back they to... Were t- they were testing the tester. They were, yeah. with, with, with a sample. Yeah. From everybody. Yeah. Gosh. When Joseph reported back to Philip and Emma that there was no sign of any cancerous cells in that sample, they knew it was a fraud, and then he called, they called the police. OK, so what happened in court on Friday? Uh, the judges in Norman's Crown Court said that Joseph was nothing more than a con man. She said, you are a dishonest charlatan, you have no business telling any human being they did or didn't have cancer, you are devious and manipulative man. He was then found guilty of fraud by misrepresentation, by making out he was a medically qualified doctor, and he's been given four years in prison. Well, 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 I mean, that really is... Um... 
What's a, what's a thoroughly unpleasant gentleman? Oh, 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 apropos nothing to do with that. Um, oh, can I play I Feel Fine by the Beatles? Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, what, uh, what part... Uh, what part of you hurts, and who's the most unfamous person you've ever met? Baby's good to me, you know she's happy as can be, you know she said so. I'm in love with her and I feel fine Baby says she's mine, you know she tells me all the time You know she said so I'm in love with her and I feel fine I'm so glad that she's my little I would not say yes, but I certainly would not say no. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Milton Keynes, Chapman Avenue is closed with a police incident, uh, an investigation on the way and ongoing. It's closed between Farrier Place and Lorina Place. Into Wendover, Hale Lane is, uh, uh, well, covered in bricks and stones, we're being told. Builders' debris has fallen off a lorry uh, on Hale Lane, near to the junction of Hale Road. This is about a quarter of a mile outside of Wendover. We understand uh, that uh, uh, police have contacted local highways to try and get that cleared up. Motorways at the moment aren't too bad, no reported problems. But just be aware if you're heading away on holiday uh, to the continent. Big problems for the M20 in Kent this morning because of operation stack as the port of Calais closed. So if you're heading to the cross channel, uh, ferries out of Dover. Uh, big problems this morning with strike action over there in France. Back onto the tubes uh, and the Metropolitan Line out of action. More parks to Amersham. And there's just been a signal failure at Wick, Rickmansworth. James Warley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. These are your headlines on the 30th of June. 
Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. A conman doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for treatments has been jailed for four years. And St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to back a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Every weekday from three, local stories. People in Watford are being urged to celebrate their local heroes by creating a postcard in their honour. In other local news, rugby fans are being warned to watch out for fake World Cup tickets. Roberto Peroni. Now, a metal detectorist has discovered a archaeological find in a field near Royston in Hertfordshire. Taxi drivers in Luton are demanding to be allowed to drive in bus lanes at all times. There is to be a new station at the Leighton Buzzard Narrow Gauge Railway. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Nick Cooper on BBC Three it's Counties Radio. Don't matter. It don't matter. Oh, it don't matter. Um, oh three four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Uh, if you want to give us a call, I just, just got to reacclimatise. Bear with me. Magic in my eyes. I 
And what are you going to do with the clips? Well, I'm going to keep playing them, boss. I mean, I don't know what the... Like, I'm going to play the clips, Justin. <laughs> Do you know what? I love that woman who says to me, to go away. I remember that as if it was yesterday. Great what times. You, what are your thoughts on this gentleman who says to you, Good morning, sir. Uh, my thoughts on that are that that kind of lifts my spirits. I mean, obviously this morning, I don't need that too much because no. it's a beautiful morning. But when I hear that, no. I think to myself, no. yeah, do you know what? It's good to be alive. Isn't it? Do you know what? Is there a part of you that's hurting today, Justin? Uh, yes, there is, actually. Where do I start? Um, <laughs> well, I got a minute. I got a minute. <laughs> we all know what's hurting. Oh, what's hurt? Oh, yeah. Can you not tweet that stuff, please? Gail Platt. Oh, oh, Gail Platt, yes. My, my shorts were quite tight last okay, night. Thanks so, no. very, okay, thanks very much. But no, yeah, seriously, okay, my, my hamstring. My hamstring hurts me this morning. Your I was hamstring? doing some workout at the weekend and oh. <laughs> um, felt a slight twinge. See, my mm. hamstring's hurting me. Okay, my legs are hurting. Catherine's wrists are hurting. Kelly's soul is hurting. Yeah. Uh, 03459 455 555. What part of you is hurting? And Justin, I believe... You're going to take that to the streets for us as well. I certainly am, with pleasure and delight. Giza, giza, giza. But on to slightly more serious things. Uh, a man has been beaten up on a Thameslink train after waking up a fellow passenger. The incident happened on a late night service when the victim saw someone apparently about to miss his stop. Uh, Justin, what happened? Uh, this incident happened on a Thameslink service from London to Bedford. Uh, last Wednesday week, it was a 38-year-old man from Bedford. He was travelling home and he noticed another man asleep sleep in the carriage. Now thinking, like any good person would do, that he was going to miss his stop, he decided to wake the man up, but sadly the man wasn't impressed, he no. reacted angrily, so the Good Samaritan then decided to move to another carriage and, and get on with his journey. But the story continues, continues. Yes, absolutely. Um, shortly before the train arrived at Luton Airport Parkway, the aggressive man found the victim and assaulted him. Oh, uh, he punched him repeatedly. He then, get this, he threw him uh, from the train onto the station oh, platform dear. at Luton Airport Parkway. Uh, staff were there to help him. He went to hospital. He suffered a broken nose, <clears throat> swelling to his head and bruising as well. Blimey, it sounds awful. Um, uh, how can people help? Well, the man who carried out this attack is believed to have left the train at Bedford. Detectives have released CCTV pictures of this man who was wearing a cap. It happened on a late-night service, so the police are hoping that somebody somewhere may have information on who this person is. Well, this guy's obviously a nut job to do that, because if I saw somebody and suspected they were going to miss their... Um, and, and they looked approachable and sus suspected they were going to miss their stop, I think I would do the same thing and... Um, 
Wait, let me say, sorry, mate. Just uh, I th- uh, We're coming to the end. I think this is probably your stop. But have you done it, though? Have you actually stopped somebody before thinking they're going to miss their stop? Um, I'm trying. I mean, I, it's been a long time, man, since I've, yeah. I've, I've kind of used a train at night or something. I, 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 I seem to remember having done it a long, long time ago, yes. Because, you know, even even the nicest person, if they've had a few to drink, that they can completely turn. So I've can been they? up early this morning. Yeah, what, even, yeah, the, what, even, <laughs> right, even if you get the Dalai Lama and he's had a little bit of, oh, I don't know what nonsense they... A bit of Tibetan homebrew, right? Yeah, yeah. You're saying that even he could yeah. kick off <laughs> yes. on a train if someone woke up and said, "Hey, this is uh, this, this. We're just about to reach Nirvana. I think this is your stop." Yeah, yeah. that's quite yeah, a good I'm, gag, though, isn't it? It's quite well, a good gag. It's, gag, it's, gag it's gas, very, very good. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, clip that one. Yeah. Um, so I've been up early this morning. Been at uh, Luton train station. Asking one second. One there. second, Justin. Mm, mm. I'll be the judge of when we clip that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> that's that is my thank yeah, you. Yeah, my raise on the door. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I've spelled it wrong, but. Uh, I've been at Luton train station this morning asking Please. commuters if you're on a late night train and you thought somebody was going to miss their stop and they're asleep, a bit like this man did here, would you wake them up? Here's what commuters had to say. Brian, what would you do? You're on a train late at night? I really don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, you could do it, chance it, but if they wake up, they beat you up and that's it. So sometimes you think it's best to leave it alone. Would you wake somebody up if you thought they were going to miss their stop? Yes. Yeah. Have you done it before? Yes. And you've never had any problems with that at all? I've woken someone up and it's been kind of not their stop, but they've never been horrible about it. They, I think they appreciate you're doing it with good intentions. Because we're talking about a guy today who did wake somebody up and unfortunately was beaten up for his troubles. Well, that's clearly not on. I'm sure he was doing it with all good intentions. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So that, that's horrible. Despite hearing that, you would still do the same, would you? Yeah, I'd obviously be careful, but yeah, no, no problem with that. Depends what they look like, depends if they were drunk, uh, or if they looked menacing, maybe I wouldn't. If it was a young lady or a person that had just fallen asleep coming home from work, maybe late at night, uh, probably yes. So it depends. It just depends on the circumstances at the time. But uh, it's a difficult one, yeah. So you've actually seen somebody attacked for for waking somebody up yeah. late at night, haven't you? Tell us what happened. I've been working nights, and um, a fellow was asleep, obviously drunk. Someone woke him up. He did, actually said that he was getting off at that stop when he got on. And uh, Geezer just attacked him, just just for waking him up. And uh, how long ago was this? <clears throat> um, just before what? Christmas. Oh, again, somebody doing somebody a favour, and that's what you get. Yeah, seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> you wouldn't do it then? No. Who, who cleared their throat at the end of that piece there, Just? Uh, it wasn't me, boss. I'm, I'm a clear professional. That, can you just yeah, get, yeah, that yeah, last... get that last... It definitely wasn't me, I can assure no, you of that. I'm, 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 yeah. What? Can you, Kelly, could you just pull off that man for me, please? <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear what it sounds like. So if you can just pull him off, I want to hear what I that... Mean, I mean, I think, I think what he had to say was more interesting than I, in clearing his throat. I, I, I didn't actually hear what he had to say. All I heard was, you know, him doing a dad. Well, he, he said at Christmas time he saw exactly the same. Somebody woke somebody up on a late night train and unfortunately they got beaten up, so he wouldn't do the same. <laughs> And then he did that, isn't it? That's the thing, isn't it? That's the, I mean, that's the thing. Did you get my joke about the Dalai Lama? Absolutely, boss. 100%. I get every single joke when you come into the building. Okay. I get every single it's... joke that you come up with. Okay, explain it to me. Boss, I don't have to sit here and explain myself to you. I'm on the streets. I'm working with the people. Explain the joke that you got. 
Why was it so funny and clever? It was clever and funny simultaneously. Tell me why. Listen, you are just hilarious. You really are. You are a funny guy. You didn't get it, did you? I got the joke. It was absolutely wonderful. Explain it to to me. I've I've got stuff to do on the streets this morning, so I'm going to go now. But uh, it was a very funny joke. (laughs) Explain. Which bit of the joke was funny? Hang on a second. What sort of person? What sort of person has to get somebody back on to say, hey, guys, I'm so funny. Can you uh, explain the joke for me again? Very, very insecure person just in that suit. But so you okay. d- you did get the joke? Yeah, very funny. Yeah, so go stuff. on then, just just for those no, who no, didn't, no, boss, boss, I'm, I'm I'm not going to sit here stroking your ego. It was a funny joke. Let's just move on. But which bit of it was funny? Absolutely, every single bit, every single word you said was funny. You didn't get it, did you? I got it, boss. Which bit? All of it. Speak to you later, just. Bye. He didn't get it. He, did didn't, he? Get it he didn't get it. I don't know if Kelly got it. Kelly, did you get it? Oh, she had her headphones on. How convenient. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, just, let me just... Um, I need to clear my throat. Oh. <laughs> Horrible. Harumph. Oh, three, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Did you get my joke? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, the motorways, the M1's building up now southbound from Luton down towards Hemel Hempstead, approaching Junction 8, looking heavy on the cameras. Anti-clockwise, also heavy now, 21 to 19, M1 around towards Watford. Into Wendover, now Hale Lane is partially blocked with uh, bricks and stones that have fallen off a builder's lorry. It's about a quarter of a mile outside Wendover, so uh, uh, we understand police have contacted local highways to try and get that cleared up from Hale Lane near to the Hale Road Junction. And trains, unfortunately, yeah, signal failure at Rickmansworth means delays for Chilton as well as the Metropolitan Line between Amersham and Moore Park and Moore Park to Chesham. We're just being told the signal failure has been sorted out, has been fixed, but likely to be disruption until around 7.15 this morning. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Simon Oxley. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. A conman doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for anxiety treatments has been jailed for four years. St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to grant planning permission for a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. And police in Milton Keynes have spent the night negotiating with a man on the roof of a house in Down barn. He was arrested for public order offences just after six o'clock this morning. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray will begin his campaign for a second Wimbledon title today. He plays Mikhail Kukushkin of Kazakhstan in the third match on Centre Court at around five o'clock this afternoon. Also today, Hertfordshire-based Al Jazz Bedin from Slovenia faces Radak Stepanek. It's Bedin's third Wimbledon, but his first since gaining British citizenship, having lived in Welling Garden City since 2008. In football, new Watford head coach Kike Sanchez-Flores will give his first press conference this afternoon. Flores has taken over from Slavisa Jokanovic, who guided the Hornets to the Premier League. Luton manager John Still says the signing of Josh McCoyd isn't the end of his summer recruitment. McCoyd arrives at Kenilworth Road, having been at Bournemouth last season. What we try to sell him is the similarity between the clubs, if you like. Um, you know, we, 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 we think we're on our, our way forward. 
uh, we was able to convince him of that and um, fortunately it worked out for us today. Elsewhere, Manchester United have made a £28 million bid for Real Madrid and Spain defender Sergio Ramos. In golf, final qualifying takes place today for next month's Open Championship at St Andrews. Qualifying today is at Woburn with three places up for grabs. Colin Montgomery features, as does St Albans player Will Roebuck. Yeah, I can't wait for it, to be honest. Um, I've got an early start, uh, 36 holes, and the forecast looks perfect. And uh, I know a lot of guys from the club are coming up to support. So, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to get going now. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at seven. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, guys. 03459 555555 is the telephone number. If uh, you want to give us a call, then you're more than welcome to. You can send us a text 81333. Start your text uh, 3CR. I'm just playing around with this because it's... Um, everything's been changed and nothing works better. Everything's been... What's your beef? I said it's amazing. You can do anything with the terrible pain you're in with your leg. Yeah, well, it is amazing. I can do anything with the uh, terrible... I couldn't do soldiering. Um, Stetson. That's not what I was after. Um, Come on, guys. We're all... The the whole um, don't know how to work the studio act is wearing very, very thin. That's old news. I know it is. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just getting there to... What are you trying to do? I'm trying oh, to that. make it do what I want it to do. No, not that. I'm trying to sort something else out. This is filler or filler.
here's um, here's a story. It's a headline from a Rolling Stone magazine. <clears throat> Here we go. <clears throat> Hang on a second. Patsy Cline to return as hologram in interactive concert. I mean, really? Mm. Really? Patsy Cline, of all the people they could uh, invest um, technolo- this technology in, surely we've had Michael Jackson as the weird... I like the Michael Jackson hologram. I enjoyed that. It was weird because yeah. um, um, you're thinking, I wonder if that hologram has abused anybody sexually. You just don't know with a hologram. Is, is it capable of doing that? I would hope not. Only hologram people. Would know. Um, so we had that. Then we had um, who was the other? There was another. Um, uh, uh, there was like a rap artist, wasn't there? Oh, who came um, back as a Hollywood? Biggie, 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 small, Tupac? small. Tupac. 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 Yeah. Tupac or not Tupac? That's the question. I don't know. You going on holiday? Yeah, we'll pack. But those two are kind of uh, logical because no. they they liked a bit of technology. No, no, Patsy no, no, Klein. No, no, no. What we what we need, guys, what we need, the only holograms we need are Dennis Wilson and Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys, but joined up with um, John Lennon and uh, George Harrison, the Beachel Boys, the Beachels. Yeah. The Beachels. <laughs> These guys are Beachels. <laughs> the Beachel brothers. That would be good, wouldn't it? I'd pay top dollar to see a completely fake band of uh, two dead Beach Boys and two dead Beatles. The Beachels. As they're uh, If someone's you, listening that can make it happen, make so it happen. You, you'd pay for that, wouldn't you, Kelly? Yeah. There we go, you see. She probably wouldn't. Being young, she'd download it illegally. But I'd pay... Are. She's Googling them. She's Googling the Beachels. Oh, that's not a bad... That's a really good idea, actually. And that's an idea that's just got me feeling so fresh. <laughs> Feeling fresh. What have you got in the actual papers? Um, people moaning about the women at Wimbledon getting a break. Hang on a second. I do apologise. I'm reading more of this story. Which so, story? The Patsy Cline story? OK. So, so far, most holographic projects have been short one-off events. Tupac's hologram wrapped alongside Dr Dre and Snoop Dogg. Elvis Presley's hologram duetted with Celine Dion during a 2007 episode of American Idol. I missed that one. Yeah. Michael Jackson made an on-stage appearance at an awards. Um, oh, isn't that nice? Do you know what um, uh, Patsy Cline's husband, uh, what his name is? Uh, Calvin. Um, no. Charlie Dick. What's in your papers? People Charlie might- Dick? No, thanks. I'm full. People moaning about women um, taking a break when the uh, no. heat gets to 30.1 centimetres. Yeah, no, centimetres? C- carry on, carry on, because I agree with the fool. But men must battle on. Yeah. As the blazing sun beats down on Wimbledon. This is the male um, who, as we know, love uh, females. Well, there's a great picture of a tennis player scratching her bum. <laughs> Wimbledon has begun. A lady scratching her bum. That was my mum's rhyme back in 1977. She was good. Oh. As the blazing sun hang on, beats down. Hang on. Anne Marie, the quality of the rabbit hole has declined recently. What gives? Wow. Wow. Wow, controversial. I tell you what gives. I can't work this flipping studio and nothing is user friendly. That's what gives. Continue, yeah. eh? As the blazing sun beats down on Wimbledon, spare a thought for the men as they sweat it out on court because they will have to carry on with their matches, however hot it is, while the women can take a break to cool off. Good. Cue an inevitable volley of cries of sexism over the rules at the All England Club from the male. The Women's Tennis Association says ladies playing singles matches should be allowed a ten minute break if it becomes unbearably hot on court. Listen, you want the vote, you got to play through the heat. You want to earn the same money as me at Wimbledon when I win Wimbledon, we'll play as many games. That's, that's obvious. The glass ceiling, there is no glass ceiling. It's an outdoor tennis venue. Mm. 
So let's just play. Would as, you say that? Though. Um, would you say the same if it was you know children playing or because you know? Sorry. Well, we're talking about people with a smaller frame. Yeah, exactly. Although you look at Serena, she's bigger. She probably she's have bigger, all of this. She well, well. Let's be careful where we go with that for litigious reasons. We have no idea who she's had. But yes, uh, uh, I would say I would say that for children. Play on, guys. It's a tough world out there. You want to learn competition? Well, then you go and you go and swelter, swelter. The men's game has no equivalent rule. The All England Club is under no obligation to create one. Asked why there was no heat break for men, a spokesman said the decision was in the hands of the separate governing bodies of men's and women's tennis. All oh, right, so they're making their own rules. It's not like yeah. uh, Wimbledon's doing it. Yeah. Uh, Andy Murray, who kicks off uh, his Wimbledon campaign against Mikhail Kushkin of Kazakhstan <sighs> today, boring. has previously complained boring. about the heat rule. He complains boring. about a lot. Well, uh, well, how long? Let's do a sweepstake. At what point do we think um, someone is going to say there's going to be either a story in the papers or in the news for the unsung? heroes of Wimbledon, the ball boys and the ball girls who never get their just dessert. They get their just desserts every flipping year. Every flipping year. Sugar and spice. I feel nice. A sugar and spice.
ignition, don't be slow. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Cause I'm leaving in the morning and I must see you again. We'll have one more night together till the morning brings my train and I must go. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. And I don't know if I'm ever coming home. Conversation. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Take the last train to Coxville. Now I must hang up the phone. I can't hear you in this noisy railroad station. All alone, I'm feeling low. Usual build-up on the M1, southbound from Luton towards Hemel Hempstead, then 10 down towards 8, and uh, the anti-clockwise M25, uh, busy in patches from 21, the M1, down towards 16 already this morning, down towards the M40. A1 into London's queuing from uh, Holiday Inn to Stirling Corner and Boreham Wood, and in Wendover, just outside Wendover on Hale Lane, uh, there's, uh, there are bricks and stones on the carriageway near Hale Road. We understand uh, builders debris fallen off a lorry uh, about a quarter of a mile outside Wendover, still awaiting the clear-up uh, of that by local highways. Uh, Chilton disrupted through Rickmansworth because of a signal failure earlier on. That's also affecting the Metropolitan Line. Minor delays from Amersham to Moor Park and also Moor Park to Chesham. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. A con man who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for treatments has been jailed for four years. And St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to back a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, it's a reasonably warm start to the day, but it is obviously going to get much warmer. We have wall-to-wall sunshine today, barely any cloud to speak of. UV levels very high, pollen count very high, and the temperature also fairly high as well. We're looking at a maximum of 27, maybe 28 Celsius in the strong sunshine. Now, sunsets are 21, 24, and it's going to be really uncomfortable. A really sticky, humid night. Minimum temperature, countryside's looking at 16. Uh, towns and cities probably going to be around 19, 20 Celsius and that is a nighttime temperature. So like I said, sticky, uncomfortable, not very nice at all. Sun rises tomorrow morning at 04.46 and tomorrow still that humid air with us, perhaps a bit more cloud, uh, but it should stay dry. Now, temperatures likely to get up to 30, 31 Celsius tomorrow afternoon and locally maybe a degree or two more than that. So very hot tomorrow afternoon. And with that temperature, although it should stay dry, we do have the potential of maybe one or two quite heavy, quick thundery downpours now many places avoiding that completely but there's the potential that that temperature could spark one or two of those off and that's your forecast every weekday morning one partially closed and the other didn't operate at all i have contacted other companies who do it professionally and they said it should have been anchored down the jvs show it was looked over by the garage and they told me to not move the vehicle anywhere it's a complete death trap the jvs show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems i'm getting nowhere i've tried on numerous occasions to talk to the manager of this company if you need our help email jvs show at bbc .co.uk. So they said, we're going to contact the customer, we're going to have a chat, and we're going to make a, a gesture to that customer. And we could do the same for you. Without your programme, I don't know what you'd do in the morning. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Start to make it better. Hey, Jude, don't be afraid. You were made to go out and get her. The minute you let her under your skin, then you begin to make it better.
So here's the thing. They've invented this wristband that allows you to uh, buy things just by swiping up. No, but this is even better, look. A DIY, this kid is nuts, and it's a kid what has done this, right? A boy of 15 has carried out a DIY operation. Already that should be filling you with, uh, with uh, dread. Um, although he looks like about 30. A boy of 15 has carried out a DIY operation to insert a microchip into his hand. Why has he done this? Well, because he's an idiot. But also, uh, because it, it controls his phone and plays his favourite music. Huh? But hang on a second. Your hand can control your phone and play your favourite music anyway, Byron Wake. Isn't that in Australia? Byron Wake inserted the tiny transponder using a hypodermic needle in his bedroom before telling his parents. He ordered the kit online from the US. Everyone starts Googling America. It'll be .com. I'll see that's the address, isn't it? The chip encased in... Oh, it's OK. It's encased in biosafe glass, isn't it? So that's all right. Uh, similar to chips used to identify pets, emits a signal triggering pre-programmed actions and telling people nearby that they're an idiot. Byron has used the device to unlock his phone and control its Bluetooth function so he can play music from his speakers of all places. Byron of Martok, Somerset said, None of my friends have said a bad word about it. What? None of my friends have said a bad word about it? That's what you're basing your entire um, uh, reasoning for inserting a chip into your body? A Swedish firm has implanted similar devices in its employees, allowing them to use photocopiers. Um, we got a photocopy here, and apart from the fact only Simon Oxley knows how to work it, I don't think he's got any chips in his body. Has he? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's start out in Wendover. Hale Lane is partially blocked off because of builders' debris that's fallen off the lorry near to Hale Road. It's about a quarter of a mile outside of Wendover, just waiting highways to clear that up. M25 anti-clockwise, slow moving in patches, 21 down to 16. The M1 all the way down to the M40 already this morning. The M1's very heavy southbound passing Luton, and then it's slow moving down towards uh, Hemel Hempstead. Uh, past 8 though is uh, looking okay down to the M25. Uh, the M40 and the A1M at the moment moving well. The A1 one into London, very busy towards Stirling Corner, and trains through uh, Rittmansworth delays of up to 20 minutes because of a signal failure which is also affecting the Metropolitan Line. James Woolley, BBC Three Counters Radio. across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's seven o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, injured holidaymakers flown home from Tunisia, conman doctor jailed for tricking Hertfordshire couple and man attacked after waking fellow Thameslink passenger. BBC Three Counties Radio. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. They are believed to include John Metcalf from Hazelmere in Buckinghamshire and Gina van Dort from Watford, whose husband Chris Dyer is among those feared dead. The plane touched down in Birmingham in the early hours before carrying on to Bryce Norton in Oxfordshire. Nick Koreshi reports. All four returned on a specially modified C-17 transport plane. They were accompanied by medics experienced at bringing injured service personnel back from operations overseas. The Ministry of Defence says it's working with NHS England to take each person to the best hospital in their area for their needs. The government says all those hurt in Saifedean Reiski's rampage will be brought home in the next few hours. 18 British citizens have been confirmed dead, among them a former Birmingham City footballer Dennis Thwaites and his wife Elaine. The figure is likely to reach 30 in the coming days. A conman doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for anxiety treatments has been jailed for four years. Joseph Valadakis claimed to have worked with the Queen and a number of high-profile celebrities. More from Jessica Cooper. Valadakis of Cornwell Road in Tottenham, who had no medical qualifications, said he'd helped Jackie Collins, Robbie Williams and Lord Sugar. St Albans Crown Court heard he persuaded Philip and Emma Randerson from Hartford to pay £97,000 for treatments including snail wraps and whale sperm massages. The judge said he was nothing more than a con man. St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to grant planning permission for a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Lord Justice Sullivan told them they had no real prospect of success. St Albans Council say they're taking more legal advice before deciding their next step. Police in Milton Keynes have spent the night negotiating with a man on the roof of a house in Downs Barn. He was arrested for public order offences just after six o'clock this morning. Officers were called to Chapman Avenue just after ten o'clock last night. The man in his forties then barricaded himself in and later got onto the roof. Thames Valley Police say he was unarmed and there was nobody else in the building at the time. Police are trying to identify a man who attacked another passenger on a Thameslink train to Bedford. The victim woke the man up after thinking he'd miss his stop. More from Barry Caffrey. The attack happened as the train approached Luton Airport Parkway in the early hours of Wednesday 17th of June. The man reacted angrily to being woken up, punching the victim before throwing him from the train onto the platform. The attacker, who was wearing a cap, is believed to have left the train at Bedford. The 38-year-old victim from Bedford was left with a broken nose and head injuries. In sport, Andy Murray begins his Wimbledon campaign later today against Mikhail Kukushkin of Kazakhstan. A new Watford head coach, Kike Sanchez-Flores, will give his first press conference this afternoon. The weather, hot and sunny, a maximum temperature... Temperature 27 degrees Celsius and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Simon. <clears throat> Morning, guys. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 03459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You can text as well, 81333. Start your text, 3CR.
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A bogus doctor who claimed he'd uh, done well, uh, well, kind of all sorts of things really, including treating the Queen, Liz Hurley and Banksy, has been jailed for tricking two couples out of thousands of pounds. Joseph Valadakis told one of them they had cancer, but it will be dangerous to seek a second opinion. He also smothered his clients in various substances, telling them it was snail slime... Or whale sperm? Well, in a moment, we'll be speaking to criminologist uh, Steve Hallam. But first, let's hear from Anne Evans, who was the prosecuting barrister in this case at St Albans Crown Court. Uh, morning, Anne. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How did this man find his victims? Well, the extraordinary thing is that he was found by recommendation. So all our victims in our case have got the highest recommendations from their friends about what what a marvellous therapist he was. I have to say, he came across very differently during the course of the trial, however. Um, And that's the thing, isn't it? We're always told, uh, you know, when when kind of seeking builders or or therapists or things, go by recommendation. And um, how how did he, he, he trick them? He must have been very charming. Well, he must have been very charming, but again, that's something that he chose not to display during the course of the trial. He sat through most of the trial with his chair tilted back in the dock, with his eyes shut, um, muttering under his breath. And when he gave evidence, I have to say that he behaved in a way that looked very anxious. He, He had tics. He kept muttering under his breath. So none of us in the jury or in the courtroom could see how he could possibly have put over this charming front. The lies seem um, extraordinary. Um, I guess when people are ill, they can be desperate and hear what they want to hear. At what point did the victims smell a rat and get suspicious? Well, certainly one of our victims was extremely ill. He tried all types of... um, regular therapies and they hadn't worked so he'd looked to the alternative community just to see if anything could help him with extreme food allergies i have to say that most of us in the courtroom were surprised at how long he managed to take these victims in because as you said in your introduction he said that he'd worked with banksy the Queen, Robbie Williams, he'd had Christmas with Annie Lennox. Any name that you can think of, mm. he would then drop into a conversation. Now, we checked with the royal household just to see if any of these claims were true. And, of course, the royal household was in a position to confirm that, of course, he'd never treated anyone in the royal family at all. And when you confronted him with that evidence in court, what was his reaction? Did he carry on the lie or did he kind of accept it? Oh, he absolutely never accepted it at any point. One of his claims was that he was working for the government undercover as MI5. So he just kept repeating government data, government data, when you put to him something that he didn't like. And, of course, if I tried to explore with him what or who was government data... He, he just simply kept repeating that same mantra, so we never got to the bottom of what was going on. How much money did the, the victims lose? Well, um, a staggering £160,000. As you've mentioned already, the Randersons lost £97,000, and our other victim lost nearly £60,000. Um, certainly our other victim was so desperate 
to be cured of these awful conditions mm. that he had. He was prepared to try anything. Yeah. And because this man, as you said, had said, don't seek a second opinion, he wanted to believe that all the money he was pouring into him was to some cause. And I think that just shows goes to show how desperate these uh, these victims were. When you're poorly, when you're as seriously ill as that, you will, if you if you think you're going to get cured, you will throw money at it, won't you? Did he have any medical credentials, this, this gentleman? Absolutely not. He said that he was a doctor and that he trained at King's College, Cambridge. We had evidence from King's College, Cambridge, and indeed all the Cambridge colleges, that he'd never, ever uh, been a student there, undergraduate or postgraduate of any sort. Um, he claimed he had a PhD in biophysics, um, now, he says he's an Australian national. Nobody, in fact, could believe a word that he said, but certainly never produced any uh, any proof that he was a PhD. And as soon as the police arrested him, mysteriously, that claim disappeared from his website. Um, and the, 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 uh, the, the victims now, uh, have they recovered from the shock? Will they get any of the money back? Well, that's an ongoing process. Right, OK. Once he's been sentenced, we now look into his assets to see if there is anything that can be recovered. So that's an ongoing process mm. now. And I really appreciate your insights. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Not at all. Thank you. It's Anne Evans, uh, the prosecuting barrister at St Albans Crown Court in this case. Uh, joined now by Dr Steve Hallam, a lecturer in criminology at the University of Northampton, uh, formerly from Bedfordshire Police. Morning, Steve. Uh, good morning to you. Um, this is fascinating, isn't it? And it just shows that, um, you know, if you have the confidence and you get the right people, you can say anything and it'll be believed. Well, I think you're right. I think one of the issues is that uh, you can set up a, a website, a very uh, believable website, uh, very easily, and, and people can easily be taken in by that. And, of course, what we're talking about here are people that are quite desperate in terms of getting treatment or help. So they become particularly vulnerable to the sort of lies and deceptions that this person gave out. This kind of thing has been going on for years. Slightly different in as much as, yeah, you, you know, a lot of this was, it did involve um, uh, the internet. But, you know, when, when people are sick, when pe you hear of people who are dying of cancer going off to all kinds of, um, you know, uh, the fakes on the off chance that something might work. There's, there's been all sorts of fakes around, as you say, for, for years, and uh, it's very difficult to regulate this sort of thing. I mean, uh, there are there are regulations, there are um, voluntary uh, regulatory bodies for different complementary medicines, and I guess that's the, the, the route that you want to take if you want to actually take uh, have a look at uh, going into those sorts of medicines. Um, is to investigate whether they are uh, they are regulated at all. And the best sort of sites to, to have a look at to start with, of course, are the NHS. Mm. NHS sites would, would help you uh, and, and speak to your GP first. Um, but it's very easy to be taken in by people, um, particularly if you're in a very vulnerable state. At what point does, you know, I, I can come on the radio and say, hey, guys, I'm a doctor. At what point do, do I cross the, the line and start breaking the law? Is it when I actually start seeing, in inverted commas, patients? Well, you break the law if you, if you start to, um, to, to if, you, if your deception is there in order to, to gain uh, for yourself or someone else or to actually cause loss to someone else. Uh, and of course, that deception, you can break the law if you actually cause any harm to anyone. 
and, and that's really what it's about. So you can take on a false identity, mm. uh, and that really isn't a problem. And here's uh, the thing. The problem, when this... uh, Sorry, 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 Steve. They're just saying when he's when he was in court and he was confronted with the fact that look, we've we've spoken to Buckingham Palace. What you've said is nonsense. We've spoken to all these people. What you've said is nonsense. This gentleman refused to accept that and carried on with the lie. That that seems to to, to say a lot about him and his his um I don't know mental state is too strong a phrase, but his his frame of mind perhaps. Well, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because, of course, if someone is uh, is confronted in court, uh, there's, there's an element of self-preservation here as well. So we've got no idea about what his his motives in court might have been, uh, as to, and, that, and that's why he acted in that particular way. It may well be that he's spun a, a, a web of lies that he can't then get out of, and he has to try and continue this story. But we heard that he, he sort of he dropped the idea that he was a doctor, and he started talking about government data. Well... Uh, that's just uh, maybe a, uh, it may be an excuse or it may be a continuation of that sort of mental state of just trying to continue the story and not accept uh, what he's actually done. Uh, Steve, uh, always interesting to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. That's Dr Steve Hallam, who is a lecturer in criminology at the University uh, of Northampton <clears throat> and formerly from Bedfordshire Police. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. So here's the thing, and I don't quite understand uh, how this, this works, because this doesn't make any sense at all. A golden ticket giving free lifetime entry to a theatre has been honoured after nearly 250 years. Well, hang on a second. A lifetime is, like, over then, isn't it? Does a lifetime really have to last that long? Dear God save us all! The gilded coin, made to mark the, oh, here we go. the founding of the Bristol Old Vic in 1766, was presented at the theatre by Geraldine Menez. And there's a picture of her, and she looks like, um, 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 who's the, the, the fat butcher? The fat, no, not the butcher, the greengrocer, Alf Roberts. She looks like Alf Roberts's first wife, crossed with Percy from Coronation Street. Astounded box office staff agreed the token inherited from her great-grandfather was still valid. Well, how can that be still valid? Surely once her great-grandfather died... I'm assuming he's still dead. Apologies, sir, if uh, if you're not. Um, then, um, oh, I see, it's a publicity thing. Ms Menez has donated the coin to the University of Bristol, but the old Vic says she can still have free entry whenever she wants to see their rubbish plays. Well, there you go, you see. Has anyone ever actually won a lifetime supply of something? Because you know them lifetime supplies of stuff. You don't actually get, like, a lifetime supply. They sort of do a maths formula, don't they? They sort of work out, right, well, if you live for 20 years and you use this many, then we give you that. And you get it all in one big... Um, my sister, what did she win? She won a, won a year's supply of... I'm going to say cans of Guinness... Uh, and what that wasn't, you know, you finished a can of Guinness and they would deliver another one. It was, um, they, they just sent her something like, I don't know, 300 cans of Guinness. She got through all of it. God bless her. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Well, slow on the M1, southbound from 11 towards 10 towards Luton Airport. The M25, usual delays anti-clockwise, heavy and slow in patches from the M1 round to the M40. is particularly slow, actually, uh, from junction 17 to 16, we can see on the cameras and sensors. As a result, southbound A41 is slow towards the M25. On to Wendover, Hale Lane is partially blocked by uh, some building debris. Bricks and stones have been reported uh, near to Hale Roads, just waiting to clear up uh, from uh, by highways there. And uh, as for trains, delays through Rickmans worth easing on Chilton, but Metropolitan Line trains still suffering minor delays from Moor Park to Amersham and Chesham because of that signal failure early this morning. James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. Seven sixteen. It's Tuesday, the thirtieth of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. A con man, doctor, who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for treatments has been jailed for four years. And St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to back a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Mick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. The book is all about how you can use nature to make walking a detective game. There's no cost to spending um, ten minutes looking at all this stuff. Three mums from Hertfordshire have uh, got something a little bit different planned. This weekend they're walking the 100 kilometres. We've done lots of training and we're aiming to complete it within 24 hours. Mick Coffer. Is that a maze in front of your house? It's called a parterre. Oh, it's a parterre, is it? <laughs> I planted it myself with 540 plants, so I know it's a parterre. Award-winning uh, Milton Keynes sports journalist Mike Calvin has written Gareth Thomas's autobiography. I've got to think what you think, I've got to see what you see, I've got to hear what you hear. And that will be an inherently painful process. Mick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. There you go. Uh, that's exciting, isn't it? Now, a man's been assaulted after uh, waking up a fellow passenger on a Thameslink train. The victim thought he was doing his attacker a favour, but ended up with a broken nose. Well, Dr Kerry Cooper is Professor of Psychology at Manchester Business School. Good morning, Kerry. Good morning to you. Uh, this guy thought he was doing the bloke a favour. He saw, saw the bloke was asleep, saw the stop coming up and, and uh, woke him up. It's, um, well, it seems outrageous, doesn't it, that someone it would does. launch an attack Not like this? Not only that, apparently he went to another carriage, didn't he? And then the guy followed hmm. him later Yeah, to punch what, him and beat him what up. Would, it's quite I mean, amazing. If we put, you know, who knows what mental state this guy was in. If we put drugs and alcohol <laughs> to one side for a minute, what, what would drive somebody to do that, do you think? Well, I think it's I don't think it is anything to do with that necessarily. But, you you know, we'll find out when the police do their investigation. Well, if they find him. Yeah, um, because they haven't found him yet, have they? No, I, I think really it could be his mental state. It could be that something's troubling him really badly in his own life and he just needed to take it out on somebody else. We don't know what the, the particular driver is. But what is interesting in this is what we in psychology call the innocent bystander effect. You know, you see people arguing or, or getting into a, a, a physical, uh, a nasty physical uh, assault, a situation and so on, and you walk by, right? A lot of people walk by situations like mm. that. And I think they do because they're worried about how somebody might react. So you see two people really violently arguing and you try to stop it. You know, you go in and you say something. A lot of people don't do that. Now, this guy saw a guy sleeping, right? Mm. Maybe a lot of people would walk by that and say, well, he could be drunk or he could be on drugs. We don't know what it is. I'm just going to leave him there, right? Mm. But no, this guy intervened, and then look what happened. 
So you get the reinforcement of this funny psychological effect called the innocent bystander effect, which means, you know, you're an innocent bystander. Just walk by. You don't need the aggravation. That's the sad bit of this story is that the, that's what the message is telling you to do. Um, it. it... It is the gentleman that woke. That so? Are you suggesting that the gentleman that woke him? That's unusual behaviour as well. That the majority of people would have ignored this bloke. The majority of people would walk by. Yeah. And they, you know, you see two people arguing violently, right? And you just kind of, kind of ignore it. You don't want to get involved. You don't know how they're going to react to you. How one of them might react to you. In this scenario, it's the same thing. You see the guy lying there, and you think to yourself, some people think to themselves, well. He's probably drunk or, mm. you know, on drugs. I just leave it alone. L- leave sleeping dogs lie. You know, and, and I think that kind of uh, metaphor for it, I think, is appropriate. But it's sad because this guy's trying to be helpful, isn't he? And if someone, he, if sorry, yeah. Kerry, if someone go, does go nuts at you and, and launches a, 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 a seemingly unprovoked attack like this, what is the, what's the best way, apart from running, obviously, what's the best <laughs> way to kind of... Get out of that situation. I read a brilliant interview with Darren Brown, the uh, the mind bender, who oh, yeah. got he, who got mugged. It was a couple of years ago. He got mugged, and this guy was being very threatening. I think pulled a knife on him, and so um, Darren Brown went like nuts and started talking nonsense and waving his arms all over the place, and it freaked the attacker out because he wasn't expecting it. Yeah, and the attacker ran off. I think that's a really a good strategy. Try to do something that's unusual. Right? If you run, this guy's going to go after you anyway. For yeah. whatever re- whatever's driving him, he's going to go after you because he wants to get you. Either you you become non totally non aggressive or do something unusual that stymies him. Mm. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it or something. Anything just to but but I guess being defensive. Ba- I mean, fighting back is the worst thing you could possibly do. Well, also, I've I've listen. It's, it's been a long Unless time. You're since, bigger, by the way. Well, exactly. Or you know the karate. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in a boozer. But I remember you know being younger and having people who were clearly and you know this is not the most politically correct phrase, but were clearly nuts, going mental. And you 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 apologise even if you haven't. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do it. And it's, it, it it can make some people even angrier. I know. Well, you have to be you have to look at the scenario you're in. You have to look at the individual and you have to try to figure instantaneously a strategy that will cool him down. Mm. Uh, but that that's different for different people. It depends how how emotionally involved this person is. If he really is out, outrageously emotionally involved, probably you should just get out of there. I mean, you should really get out. Uh, obviously, there was nobody else around at the time. This must have been late, mustn't it? I mean, yeah. there would have been other people you'd have thought. But again, innocent bystander effect yeah. probably wouldn't get involved. The, the, the gentleman who did this attack, yeah. would he even be aware that, you know, that he did something completely outrageous? Well, we don't know because we don't know what the driver is. If mm. the driver is heavy drugs, probably he wouldn't even know what he was doing. If the driver is he's emotionally disturbed in some way, right? Mm. Again, he might not know. If the driver is, though, he's kind of mildly, he's had a little bit too much to drink or took offense to somebody waking him up for some reason, like you get in road rage, you get some road rage people. I don't mean the really heavy ones, but some people get really anxious and, you know, they have to get somewhere and they get really upset, but they're not going to go the full Monty. If it's that kind of a person, probably he did know what he was doing, and probably you could stop him by using some technique. But that technique, you'd have to determine 
almost instantaneously at the time. And the gentleman that was attacked, and it was it was a, a horrible, horrible attack, you know, it was beaten yeah. up and then was when the train stop was thrown onto the, the, the station platform. How's he going to cope with that? Because uh, it, it, I would imagine that, well, the prospect of going on a train is going to be quite terrifying. The prospect of going out of his house might be quite upsetting as well. Yeah, it will be a traumatic event. I mean, it really will. And, and how do you get over that? Do you just have to go and do it? No, you just have to, well, you just have to go and do it. I mean, it's, it's a rare, rare event. Unless you do it at a, you know, unless you're traveling, say this was, I don't know what time it was, by the way. So say it was really late at night. There were very few people, if, if anybody, on the train. Mm. Uh, probably he would avoid doing that in the future if he could. But uh, I think you just have to, you have to go back. And you have to because it's not going to happen again. However, you're talking about a psychological state of somebody, aren't you? Mm. And he will be very, very reticent to do that again. But he should. He should go back on the train. Uh, it's unlikely to happen again. He's got to confront his uh, phantoms. Kerry, always fascinating. Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Kerry Cooper, Professor of Psychology. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Have we got any Texas? Yeah, we have. Uh, some throwing back to posh swearing from yesterday. Um, DJ Milton Keynes says, posh swearing, probably the most extreme non-swearing insult is to call someone an oxygen thief. Carefully you call. Oh. Um, and uh, and in Luton, things that hurt we're doing as well, aren't we? And we'll be speaking to Justin in about f- 10 minutes' time about this one. Morning, Ian. My right shoulder hurts, Aye. says Anne. Aye. I fell, dislocated my shoulder and broke the top of my arm. There you go. That'll do it. I've never broken anything apart from a few hearts. Uh, and I know one day... When you when something breaks, can you you hear the snap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've Aye. broken my arm twice. Same one. Aye. And the second one partly because I'd broken it the first time. Aye. It flipping hurts. Maffin Hanslope says, my knees hurt. Yeah, I, I, I can dig that, Maff. Uh, he says, I've met Lee Gladden, the MK Dons fan. Oh, this is un- the most unfamous person oh, you've yeah, ever yeah, met. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, and Kanye West is more guilty of being a con man by the, than the snail snot doctor. No, ca- listen, ca- listen, l- 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 I, 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 I don't really know Kanye's uh, oeuvre. I don't know what his, um, his particular um, song style is. I imagine shouty, loud and, and proud. Uh, but, you know... Each, each to their own, isn't it? The only band that deserves uh, all of its members to um, be fired from uh, uh, rockets into space are Coldplay, of course, who make music for people who don't like music. That's a fact. That's a fact. Um, but uh, uh, other than that, everyone else can... Oh, and the Lighthouse family. Coldplay and the Lighthouse family should have a battle to the death, and then the remaining member who's still alive should also be uh, slaughtered. Apart from that, though, everyone else, you know, get on and do your thing, isn't it? Get on and do your thing, really. I'm with you on the Lighthouse family, flipping it. We could be lifted. I wish they would. It's be. a shame. It's a nice. Fa- it's a nice name of a band. The Light- oh, Lighthouse family. It sounds fun. You, know, you can imagine them having their own TV show, and they kind of live in, live in a lighthouse, and they have adventures, and one of them travels through time. Um, but in reality, that's not what happens to them. They're just bland people doing bland songs. They're not even family. Here's the thing. So Simply Red are back together. Oh. Name another member of Simply Red. This is a Chinese fella. The other one. The bassist. There's, there's a black man, a Chinese fella, and Hucknall. I don't think uh, the black man and the Chinese fella are, are actually their names. I suspect they've, they've probably got slightly more... Uh, who cares about... Sim- oh, Simply Red are back together. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, right, brilliant. We'll go and see them, shall we? What, why? Simply Red is, is Mick Hucknall, isn't it? I mean, really. I would say so. That's, that's, all, you're, that's all you're expecting when you... Um, 
can I do confess I did quite quite like a new flame, but I was young. I liked um um I quite all right, I'll say it. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. What simply red song did you quite like? I quite like stars. Oh yeah, I quite like stars. Do you like it, Kels? Yeah. You know, one day we might get a microphone for Hang you. On. And... Do you like it, Kelly? I quite like it. Yeah. It's, it's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Which which simply red songs do you quite like? Let's come out of the uh, the closet um, uh, and say, yeah. Do you know what? They're rubbish, but there is one simply red song I quite like, we, we, uh, and we, stars is the one. We might be able to stretch it a bit further if we say, do you quite like or not mind? No, it's specifically quite like. Really? It really has to be that's that specific. Oh, uh, I, I, I quite like stars. I quite like the video for stars as well. He's in the desert in with the all desert. the giant stars. You can't knock that. That's, um, that takes courage. 03459 four double five five double five. Any other texts? Uh, yeah, no, there wasn't. Okay. Yeah, well, there was. There was one talking about getting it. You know, before when Justin didn't get it, but he oh, pretended he got it. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. But we don't that. talk about that. That I was down the rabbit hole. I don't know, the rabbit hole's closed for business. Right. Uh, let's get a bit of Trav, shall we? Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Actually, the M1 is slow southbound 11 to 10 at the moment, Dunstable down towards Luton Airport, and it's also then fairly heavy down towards 8 on the sensors. Anti-clockwise M25, uh, slow from the M1 round towards the M40. Clockwise appears to be OK at the moment. Long delays on the A40 into London from Swakeley's all the way down to Gypsy Corner in Acton, and the A10, that slow southbound towards the M25 on the sensors. A1M looks to be OK, certainly busy passing Stevenage on the southbound side, but uh, certainly could be worse. Uh, just be aware if you are driving down to the Channel Ports, uh, Calais uh, Port is closed. There's lots of disruption in Kent because of disruption at, uh, at the Port of Calais and Euro Tunnel Freight's just been suspended because of an incident in the Channel Tunnel. So big problems if you're heading over to the continents. And as for trains at the moment, well, there are minor delays on the Metropolitan Line uh, down in London because of a signal failure at Rickmansworth earlier. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. Glenn's got it on Twitter. I quite like money's too tight to mention. There you go. As phone-ins go, I mean, it's not up there, but... <sighs> what Simply Red song do you quite like? 03459 455555. Let's get the news. Here's Simon. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30. The headlines for British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. They are believed to include John Metcalf from Hazelmere in Buckinghamshire and Gina Van Dort from Watford, whose husband Chris Dyer is among those feared dead. A conman doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for anxiety treatments has been jailed for four years. Joseph Valadakis claimed to have worked with the Queen and a number of high-profile celebrities. St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to grant planning permission for a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. And police in Milton Keynes have spent the, spent the night negotiating with the man on the roof of a house in Downs Barn. The 47-year-old was arrested for public order offences just before six o'clock this morning. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Andy Murray will begin his campaign for a second Wimbledon title today. He plays Mikhail Kukushkin of Kazakhstan in the third match on centre court at around five o'clock this afternoon. Also today, Hertfordshire-based Aljaz Bedin from Slovenia faces Radak Stepanek. It's Bedin's third Wimbledon, but his first since gaining British citizenship, having lived in Welling Garden City since 2008. In football, new Watford head coach Kike Sanchez-Flores will give his first press conference this afternoon. He's taken over from Slavisa Jukanovic, who guided the Hornets to the Premier League. Luton manager John Still says the signing of Josh McCoy isn't the end of his summer recruitment. McCoy derives at Kenilworth Road, having been at Bournemouth last season. What we try to sell him is the similarity between the clubs, if you like. Um, you know, we, 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 we think we're on our, our way forward. Uh, we was able to convince him of that and um, fortunately it worked out for us today. Elsewhere, Manchester United have made a £28 million bid for Real Madrid and Spain defender Sergio Ramos. In golf, final qualifying takes place today for next month's Open Championship at St Andrews. Qualifying today is at Woburn with three places up for grabs. Colin Montgomery features, as does St Albans player Will Roebuck. Yeah, I can't wait for it, to be honest. Um, I've got an early start, uh, 36 holes, and the forecast looks perfect. And uh, I know a lot of guys from the club are coming up to support. So, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to get going now. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at eight. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Daily. Hey, good Geezer. morning, Giza. What's it like out there, boss? It's uh, beautiful. I've got my uh, loafers back on today with oh, no socks. Mate, uh, that really some, is um, some inappropriate. Some trousers, pink shirt, which I know that you like. And uh, the vibe is uh, the strong, very strong on the street since, what, okay. five o'clock this morning? Well, this morning we've asked, uh, you, we, we've asked you to ask the public what part of them hurts. If you miss yeah. it now, you'll hear it again on Sunday evening on uh, the Edward Adu show. <laughs> Uh, and that's fine. Hey, listen, that's fine. If they, you know, if, if Matt Lockwood, who produces that show, wants to nick our stuff, mate, then he's he's more than yeah. welcome to. Well, he kind of has got his foot in your camp slightly, hasn't he? Because he, yeah. he, he does work for you occasionally. So okay. I think he's probably, you know, entitled to that every now and again. He's entitled to... Di- well, he's entitled to take wages. He's not, he's not entitled to put his hand in my back pocket yeah. and rifle through my wallet. <laughs> uh, it, it, what's hurting of you today, Justin? Uh, my hamstring hey, is uh, playing what, up slightly. Geez, what, what did you do, mate? Come on. Well, I've been working out a lot recently. I think yeah. you can probably tell. I by, really can, uh, mate. Yeah, by the attitude. Well, the attitude, yeah. just simply by by looking at me. So well, I've been no, working it's, it's, out. It's purely by the attitude. The, it's okay. the arrogance. The, the arrogance, really? The arrogance of the man. Okay. Um, well, yeah, my hamstring's hurting. Did a bit of running at the weekend. And it's, I pulled it ever so slightly. So I'm just being very careful when I reach down and, yeah. and go for the remote control these days. I'm just being very careful mm. not to pull it fully. If, <laughs> if you want, I can... Um, uh, I've got some uh, whale sperm that I can rub on it. <laughs> I've heard about that story this morning. No, thank you. Okay. Um, uh, well, you've taken this to the streets, Justin. How are the people of Dunster Bubble feeling? Yes. Uh, what hurts this morning? I've taken that one to the streets. By the way, off the back of this, I've got something to plug, and our oh. listeners might just enjoy it. But uh, well, let's here's hope they what do. The, yeah, here's what the streets had to say this morning, boss. I have to say my fingertips. Why? Because I played the bass all day yesterday. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your favourite tune to play on the bass? Probably "Suck My Kiss" by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. "Suck My Kiss." Yeah. Why can't you play a decent tune? Well, that is a decent tune. Okay. Which part of you hurts this morning? Which part of I? Which part of you hurts? No, I can't get you. 
Mandy, which part of you hurts this morning, darling? Down here, by my stomach. No, I've had the operation. But that was years and years ago. An operation on? On a burst appendix. Oh. Yeah. Still hurting now? Yeah, still hurting. How now. many years on? About 20, 30 years. Are we talking 20 or 30? Can you be more, a bit more specific? I'll say, I'll say more, more than 10 years. That's what I say. More okay. than 10 years, well, yeah. We've gone from 20 yeah. to 30 now to 10. No, but I've got... <laughs> How many years ago did he have the operation? I can't remember. It's such a long time ago. I won't remember. It's too far away. Okay, so it was yeah. either 10, 20 or 30, but you're still hurting now. I'm so, actually, I'm still hurting down here now. It's aching a bit down there now, yeah. Um, my feet, but my feet always hurt in heels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they are quite high, aren't they? No, these are the short ones, darling. These are only the, only the two-inch heels. Normally, they're a seven-inch heel. Seven-inch heel? Oh, yes, when I go out Saturday nights. My, my neck. What have you been up to, Steve? Not I've got neck damage anyway, so it, it, it's the longer I stay up, the more it hurts. You've been up all night, haven't you? You know that, you know that. <laughs> I can tell by your hair you've been up all night. Thank you, thank you. You dirty old stop out, you. Take care, Steve. Well, gosh, what a, uh, what a robust... But there have been... <laughs> when we drive in to uh, Don't Stop Bubble, and I, mm. I drive in about five o'clock... Oh, hang on, is the boss listening? I drive in about half past four. Mm. And um, there are a number of dirty stopouts. There I don't, are. I don't mean the homeless. I mean, like, young people of all ages and all backgrounds just wandering home, sat at the yep. bus stop, doing mm, all kinds mm. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, you know, Dunstable have been here for, what, two weeks now, so uh, you're right, especially coming in on a Saturday quite early as well. A number of people still coming back from a night out at about nine o'clock in the morning. That Dirty is. stopouts. You've got to respect that, haven't you? You've got, got to respect it to a certain what, degree, yeah. What's it? You said you had something that um, the listener might enjoy. I'm guessing it wasn't that. What is it? <laughs> oh, it's harsh. Yeah, Very harsh. harsh. That was unfair. Um, that was unfair. Uh, yeah, one of your regular callers, uh, well, he, well, he used to be a regular caller, Dave Luton, who used to phone oh, yeah. in and talk about uh, cats sleeping on snakes. Uh, that was one of his classic what sayings. What on about? Yeah, him, him. Um, yesterday, I went to buy a packet of cigarettes. Uh, Tough, in, mate. <laughs> in Dunstable and Asda, and there I he was. I like mushy peas. He, he was just hanging outside Asda. What? So I managed to get a photograph of Dave. For those people, and believe it or not, yeah. uh, the question which people ask me more than any other on the streets is Dave Lucen. Is he a character? Surely he can't be real. He's definitely real. Uh, we've got lots of pictures of me with Dave. You can How see those you... pictures on my Twitter page. How... Tweet them again and I'll, I'll, I'll retweet them. How did you know it was him? Well, because uh, every now and again when I'm out and about in the uh, the radio car or the new satellite truck, which of course is vastly delayed, uh, Dave will often hear us out and about and he'll just turn up and talk to us on the radio car. So I know what he looks like. There he was outside Asda's yesterday looking a right state. So we managed to get some photographs oh, no, and uh, he is real and you'll see those on my Twitter page, at Justin Dealey. Suck my kiss. Now, <laughs> do you fancy a shag? Uh, explain what you mean by that. I think you know exactly what I mean by uh, that. What time? Well, it's on page 26 of the mail. Uh, you can get a black shag. Yeah. Or a blonde shag. Okay. It's a L'Oreal hair advert. Right. From Rod Stewart to David Cassidy. I interviewed uh, Dave Bartram. I told you this. I'll tell the listener. Mm. I interviewed Dave Bartram from Shawaddy Waddy at the weekend, right? And he's what, what a nice bloke. And I love interviewing Top those man. pop stars from the 60s and 70s because they will have seen and experienced things we can only imagine. At the end, I said, yeah. Dave, before you go, this is always my favourite question. You were kind of involved in the glam era. You know, you worked with some of the big stars and he'd already talked about working with Mark Boland and stuff. And I said, there must have been, you know, it was a lot of fun. But there must have been um, uh, one or two people who were 
you know, were, were completely full of themselves. And without missing a beat, Dave went, yeah, I'll tell you, David flipping Cassidy. <laughs> he was so far up his backside, you wouldn't believe it. David Cassidy! Well, I've heard thing- that from other people who've worked with him as well recently. I've also heard that, but uh, just bear in mind, a number of ladies might be very upset by that, so just tone it down ever so slightly. I like yeah. David Cassidy. Mm. Could it be forever? Great or is record. my mind just rambling on? I don't think so, because you let me know, you let me feel like... He's tiny as well. Yeah. David Cassidy. Kels, can you Google how... Or Catherine, can you find out how tall David Cassidy is, please, for my um, uh, pop stars of the 70s height records? <laughs> I'm going to say five foot six. I'm going to say five six. He wears heels. Mm. Let's just find out how tall David Cassidy is before we get onto this black shag. He's 1.73 metres. In English? Um, In European? Oh, guys, old money. Old money. Interesting facts. I've <laughs> not got his height in the interesting fact. Do, do, or just convert, convert, oh, convert. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Hang on. From Rod Stewart to David Cassidy and Jane Fonda, the shag was the 1970s celebrity hairstyle of choice. I had one of those. Uh, however, beauty firm L'Oreal's efforts to revive the hairdo has seen its adverts condemned for a puerile use of language. Oh, come on, guys. We're more mature than that. Hmm. L'Oreal's posters starring model Alice, Ali, oh no, Alice, <laughs> Alice, uh, I'm going to say it, Alice Delal, urge women to requ- request a blonde or black shag at their hairdressers. However, oh, flipping it, Justin. What's going on? This makes me absolutely puke. <laughs> this, this makes me so angry. I'll tell you what this is. I think it's just gone politically correct. Advertising bosses have dismissed the word as puerile and silly. Well, at the end well, of the day, a haircut's a haircut. Well, actress Anne Theato, who's appeared in the Bill and EastEnders, said the adverts sexualise women as playthings. I think it's just gone politically correct. A shag is a quick... is A shag is quick, a one-off, non-committal, she said, referring to the word's use as a slang term. Five foot eight. <laughs> Tiny, isn't he? And I bet that's in heels. I bet he stood on tippy-toe the day he was measured for the internet. L'Oreal said the adverts were only intended for salons and clearly show a woman having a haircut. Oh, for crying out loud. Some people... (laughs) It makes me want to puke, mate. Makes me want to puke. Totally agree. Speaking of puking, uh, Carpet Martin reminds us, uh, do you remember when Martin McCutcheon was sick on uh, Mick Hucknall's dreadlocks and he had to have a haircut? Do you remember that? No. I remember that. I, I remember great. that. Yeah, I remember that. It was it was quite a big story at the time. What simply red song do you uh, quite like? Oh, I like um, a new flame. Love that track. No, no, Something's got me started. Fantastic no, record. Stars. No, no. For your babies. Not song. Oh, that's a horrible song. That's a great record. What song? Not what song do you love? What mm. song do you quite like? Because they're, they're a rubbish band, aren't they? Okay, um, what song do I quite like? Yep. I would say, uh, what was that? Money's Too Tight to Mention. I quite like that song. But quite you, you, like you that song. You love all of the rest? Yes. Love wow. Simply Red. Wow. Wow. Well, what's the problem? Sean from Abbott's Langley suggests Sad Old Red. Which yeah. isn't just a, a description, it's an actual song. Why the hell not? Just what we're going to send you out on for the next hour, Shag? that's the question. Um, no, because I, I worry that, that, that you might get us taken off the air. <laughs> In the wrong hands, that could get us taken off the air. Um, oh, here's a thing! This is brilliant news! Where's my copy? Sorry. Here's a thing, this is really sad news. 
I'm so excited by this. The BBC's lost the Olympics. Well, the rights to show it. We've lost the Olympics! Why are you excited about that? Do, who had them last? Uh, um, uh, ITV? What? What, what, before the BBC? No, it's, it's a joke. Nirvana. Okay. Uh, okay. Right. You're approaching... The, so the Dalai Lama's asleep on the train. I woke him up and said, um, Your Holiness, uh, I think we're approaching Nirvana. This is probably your stop. Yeah. Do you get that joke? Yes, boss. Can we tell, move on from the tell joke? Me what, what is, <laughs> tell me what is A, funny, or B, clever about that joke. Uh, yeah, wh whatever you say is funny. I've said earlier on, whatever you say is oh, funny. What's Nirvana? Oh, boss, come on, let's not get into all this now. A US Please. channel has snatched the Olympics from the BBC and won yeah. exclusive rights to the sports extravaganza. But why are you excited about it? Because, because I flipping ate the Olympics. But why? And two years ago, three years ago, whenever it was, when we all had to pretend that we were excited. Oh, it was so boring. Well, no, to be fair, beforehand, I was locked out of hotels in London, which I was staying in uh, because of the Olympics. That was an absolute nightmare. Locked but, out? What do you mean locked out of a hotel well, you were staying I, 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 Well, I was staying in a hotel in London, yeah. and then that afternoon, suddenly, security turned up, and oh. some members of the Olympic Committee oh. were staying there. Oh. So they said to me, OK, I, I know you've been here for a night, but uh, you need your passport to get back in the hotel. I said, I've been, I was here last night. Uh, well, didn't you get the email? No, I didn't. So I was locked out of my own hotel <laughs> because of the Olympics committee. I was furious. I said, I'm having nothing to do with the Olympics. Yeah. This is an absolute disgrace. Yeah. But when it when it came along, yeah. I have to say, I got caught up. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, it, it's going to be on the Discovery Channel. What? <laughs> it's going to be... The Discovery Channel's uh, spent £920 million on the Olympics from 2022, meaning the BBC will no longer be home to the Olympics. I say thank goodness for that. Can you ask people if they'll message us? Well, they will do, I can assure you that. Ah, they won't be bothered. Let's see what they say. Cheers, my dear. See you later. Take care. Ta -ta. Bye. Bye. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's slow on the southbound M1 in patches from 12 Flitwick down towards 9 Redbourne, we can see on the sensors and the uh, cameras. A1M southbound slow moving past Stevenage, usual delays at the moment, and the M25 anti-clockwise from the M1 around towards the M40, again slow in patches this morning. Really slow on the A40 into London from before Swakely's all the way down towards Gypsy Corner. Delays on the A41 as Kings Langley towards the motorway, A414 of the London Coney roundabout, usual congestion there, and delays in into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood at towards Stirling Corner. M40, by the way, seems to be OK at the moment, but southbound on the A404, approaching the Bisham roundabout south of Marlow, that's slow moving. And uh, the trains, well, Metropolitan Line, minor delays currently into London because of a signal failure earlier on at Rickmansworth. James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. 7.46, Tuesday the 30th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. A conman doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for treatments has been jailed for four years. And St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to back a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. It's a beautiful day across all three counties. Blue sky and sunshine, barely any cloud, but UV levels high, pollen count is high, and temperatures likely to reach 27 Celsius, so feeling very warm this afternoon. Sunsets at 21, 24, and overnight a really uncomfortable one, I'm afraid. Some humid air moving in, 16 Celsius the minimum in the countryside. However, towns and cities likely to stay around 18 or 19, so not great conditions for sleeping. Sunrises tomorrow morning at 04.46, and it's another humid day day. Looks like it should stay dry. Temperatures, however, getting up to around 31, possibly 32 Celsius. So with that heat, it's possible we may get maybe one or two thunderstorms. Many places going with that, but it's potentially a risk as we head later through Wednesday. And that's your forecast. Every weekday morning. Coming up at nine on the big phone in this morning. Is it a good idea to make jobless teenagers work for their benefits? How would you like this country to stand up to President Putin? Are you surprised to see British people being blatantly racist? The JVS Show. I think we've got to get over this issue about racism doesn't exist. It, it has existed. It will probably carry on existing. What I wanted to say is they've got this completely the wrong way around. You know, that, that, that is also true. That is also true. You will always get some, but they are such... A minority. Oh, the man's just buffoon. Get him up, get him out of bed, give him a sense of purpose. The JVS Show. Do you think we have got to, as a country, start taking this issue more seriously? Every weekday morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. A woman from Garston was so impressed with the care she received at Watford General Hospital that she decided to set up a Facebook page praising the staff. Maggie Smith uh, from Garston uh, near Watford is behind it and joins me now. Morning, Maggie. Good morning. How, how long were you in hospital or what were you in for? Um, over the last... I've been in so many times, I should have a pass, but the last oh. time I was in was about um, a week ago. What's wrong with you, love? I've got multiple sclerosis. Ah, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got a lot of other... Like, I've got problems with my knee, with swelling. Yeah. And this was the last time I was in was about a week ago. And I bet this heat doesn't help it, does it? No, no, it doesn't, no. So you've been in there... Uh, you've been in there for quite a few times, and what, how, six weeks you spent in there at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I did. It was probably about three and a half years ago. I spent six weeks on Casio Ward in Watford. Right. And I was just, because I was there for so long, I, I saw everything that went on and I thought it was absolutely marvellous. Tell us what was, um, what was so good. What, 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 what did you see there that, um, uh, that, that brightened your day? Basically, on the actual ward, the staff there was so brilliant. And I actually witnessed, obviously, people passing away over that time. And when they actually passed away, um, one of the gentlemen who was due to come up and see his wife, obviously, because she was that ill, and basically he got there too late. And I'd seen everything that had happened. Mm. And I just said to him, they treated her like they, they was their own um, family member some of them were crying and I just and it it really comforted the man he sat at the end of my bed and he said that makes a world of difference to him knowing that she was cared for before he got there so you've set up a Facebook page haven't you I did recently because I like like Facebook and I actually because everybody moans about what for General Hospital in the papers everywhere but 
they obviously people don't see the other side the cleanliness as well people moan about but I met cleaners in there that absolutely made the place and they actually took a pride in their work and it's just the nurses and you know everybody that's in there they work so hard and of course it's always them that gets the blame and you know, imagine to be every time you think everything's so negative about being in that profession. Yeah, it is. Um, it is very easy to attack uh, uh, hospitals, isn't it? And uh, it, it would quite often seem that the finger is pointed at the wrong people because the, 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 my mum's got MS, and we, I've spent quite a bit of time oh, in the hospital okay. with her. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the the generally the nurses. There's one or two exceptions. There's one or two exceptions in every yeah, job, but generally the nurses yeah. in the hospitals that she goes to are are spot on and brilliant, and they don't earn a lot of money, do they? No, I mean, I'm also trying to change um, the fact that when, like myself, when I was in for six weeks, I literally bought six big, huge boxes of chocolate. And basically, I think, and I'd like it changed, I'm going to be asking Dorothy Thornhill to change it, is I think, you know, if you have a good restaurant in a hotel, you leave a tip. Yeah. And some of the nurses have a third of their wages taken away through parking. And basically what I wanted to do was try and change all that by instead of people buying chocolates, they actually sort of leave a a tip as such um, for uh, what they can do is that particular ward can share it and use it and use it towards their parking fees. Well, it, it it depends what what ward you're on. In some wards, they they do leave a tip depending on the operation they've just had a literal tip. But that's not a bad idea. You have a little um, a little box as you go out. You put your your, your change in or a few quid you if you think they've done a good it, job. And also, then it's up to the staff of that ward. They can buy chocolates, mm. but you know, a lot of them said they they you know they put on so much weight because that's all they eat is chocolates all day. I wish long. you'd stop mentioning chocolates, Maggie. I'm getting hungry now. You keep saying that. That's all right. I run a slimming group as well. Oh, well, there you go. You see, you got you got all basic covered. I tell you a nice thing I like doing when I do, and I, I have spent far too much time in hospital with other people primarily, not me. Is I like quite often on some wards they'll have a little notice board where people have sent letters or cards just um, saying nice things about the nurses. I always have a little read of those. There's one that, that I did when I was in Cassio Ward for the six weeks. I actually did that. Mm. But the trouble is, it's very rare that somebody will do that because they'd send a letter in if everything went wrong. Yeah. But they won't send a letter in if it went right. Yeah, you're right. And that's kind of human nature, isn't it, is to, um, is, is yeah. to do that. We like to complain, but we very rarely do. I mean, like on a smaller scale here, with the number of texts we get saying, oh, this is rubbish, this is rubbish. But very few people get in touch and go, oh, we quite like what you're doing. And it's the same. It's the same anywhere, isn't it? Really, I've had an awful lot of feedback. Obviously, from my. I mean, I never expected what's happened to it as well. But I mean, I just think that there's a lot of nurses are saying thank you, and it should be the other way round. Yeah. If uh, Maggie, if people want to um, go to your Facebook page, what, what 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 do they type in to find it? Basically, it's quite easy. It's just praise what for general nurses. Yeah. And it should, and, and just to let me say, it shouldn't be just the nurses. It should be the cleaners need a medal, and also a lot of other staff with the food and that. They all need like thanks. But I just particularly mentioned the nurses because that was something I wanted to do. Well, Maggie, aren't you a nice lady? And I, I, I hope uh, you know your MS kind of stays uh, a bit stable during this hot weather. Can I just say one thing? Yeah, of course you can. Because it might help other people as well. Um, my friend who I met 
um, about 18 months ago. He's actually opening up in Croxley, oh. a place, um, a company called Rehab Walk. Oh, right. And it's to help people with neurological problems. And it's going to be opening properly. And I'm going to, it's going to actually help me to see if I can actually walk properly. Hey. children with cerebral palsy. Fantastic. And it's going to open up in, um, in July called Rehab Walk. Well, I'll keep your finger, my, my fingers crossed for you, Maggie, and hopefully you'll, you'll be. You'll, I have we'll to see put you. a plug in because he's so nice. Well, good for you. Hopefully, we'll see you running up and down and playing on the swings just outside the studios at some point. You never I'll know. Ring you, I'll ring you again when I get that far. Thank <laughs> you very much. Take care, Maggie. Nice to speak to you. And you. Ta ta. There we go. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. What a nice lady, wasn't she, Jamie? Hi, good morning. More, yeah, thank you. Yes, Jamie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Again. Say, say that again. Oh, Jamie, listen, it's a terrible, terrible line, and I can't hear you very well. And I, I know I think you want to talk about the the, the uh, off-road bikes and how to enrage you. So try and get you back on a different line because um, uh, uh, I can't hear what you're saying, and it would render the uh, the phone call um, meaningless. Oh, look, there we go. Look at Dave Luton. There's a picture of him. It really is. Um, if only we, we knew what he liked to eat. I like mushy peas. Well, that's dinner sorted then. I'm just retweeting a picture that Justin has uh, has sent me. He doesn't look anything like I imagine at all. At all, guys. At all. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Uh, if you want to give us a call. Gen- genuinely a little bit pleased that the BBC has lost the Olympics. I mean, the, they'll still show bits of it. It's like Wimbledon. Wimbledon's on now. Wimbledon, Wimbledon, Wimbledon. Uh, uh, two weeks of Wimble boredom. It just goes on and on and on. And guess what, guys? He won't win this year. He won't win this year. Someone with uh, far too many consonants and not enough vowels in their name is going to win it. And now it's time for a look at the unsung heroes of Wimbledon, the Ball Boys and... No, they get sung all the flipping time, the Ball Boys and Ball Girls. They're always being sung. They're sung too much. I don't think they work hard enough, those Ball Boys and Ball Girls. I want to see them fainting in the heat. All they do is they go and... um, uh, What do the Ball Boys do? Uh, They go... The ball hits the net, they go and pick it up. And they um, roll it back to a tennis player. That's it, isn't it, Maria? Hello? Hey, Maria. Hello, yes. Good girl. She's wonderful, and that's what I do. Sorry, who are you talking about, Maria? All the medical people that have helped me. If I go to hospital... Oh, the nurses. I I thought you meant, like, the fairies and stuff. No, I take them a big box of biscuits, usually, so they can have oh. cups of tea with it. Yeah. Like, the people have just finished my mouth. They've done <laughs> a wonderful job because a tooth was missing. What do they and do to your mouth? A singer, yeah. I've, I treated them this hot weather to a nice cheesecake and you... things like that because I... they work hard all the week. Uh, you reminded me. Christmas, Hello. I go right round. Yeah. To about, about seven people That's at great. Christmas. I and had, I treat them yeah. because some people don't think of staff. No, I had a cheesecake. And my husband yep. was a head chef and he's always thought of staff first. And I, that's what I do. I had a cheesecake last night. 
Yeah, it's so refreshing. I love... Well, it's a bit heavy. I had too much no, cheese. not really. If you've no. not had a, a heavy meal... Well, I'd, I, nice. do you know, I'd had... Um, what did I have for supper before that? Because I did eat something before it. Um, oh, I had um, uh, like pasta. You know the pasta parcels? Yes. Thick sauce. Yes. Followed by cheesecake. That was a very... I mean, yeah, last night was a very yeah, heavy evening. You should have seen my stools. It's not a heavy meal. No. Pasta isn't a heavy meal. This was... No, this, this pasta... Weather. This pasta was. Was it? Yeah, it was... You know the pasta parcels? They've got, like... um, This had spinach and ricotta in. Oh, yes. And then I had a very thick red sauce. I mean, it's all it's all from the shop. It's all from the shop, isn't it? It didn't make it, but you know yeah. what I mean. And then I had yeah. cheesecake. And I had too much cheesecake. It's greedy. My mother, my husband used to make the things for Burns Night. Oh, haggis! Haggis! I love. Forget the travel. Forget the news. I'm talking to Maria about haggis because I had my first ever haggis last year when I went to Scotland to bury my dad's ashes. They call it interning, internment. Is that what they call it? Mm. What do they call it? Interring. They call it interring. It was interring, and I went and had haggis. Yeah, they're very nice. Ooh, My husband used to make them for the Queen's cousin. From the Queen's cousin? I've got a photograph here now as I speak. I'm looking at the Queen's cousin. Oh. And her, her husband, everything, all in the mm. um, Scottish uniform. Beautiful. The, t- the, um, the, the kilt? The kilt, yes. Yeah. And my husband is well, standing at the back and is smiling with his... Oh, bless him. With his chef outfit on. Uh, did, has he got he the tool? The tool. Make people happy. Is he? Is he? Did he make you happy? Oh yeah. Yeah, I bet he did. When he retired, he helped with my horse and everything. <laughs> he was a oh, great Maria. guy. I bet he was. Listen, we, uh, we're late for the travel. We're late for the news. I don't care. You don't fancy singing us a song for thirty seconds, do you? Well, I would do. Yes. Go on Just then. Away you go. Go on. Away you go. Here we go. Do you know any David Bowie? That'll do lovely. Who's that crying in the background? It's my dog. He sings with me sometimes. Oh, Maria, I have to go, but God bless you and your dog. Okay, bye. Ta-ta. Cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Major routes M1 southbound slower Toddington services and then also very busy down in patches uh, down towards Junction 9. Anti-clockwise M25, the M1 down to the M40 slow moving again in patches and the southbound A1M usual congestion passing Stevenage. Really slow on the A40 this morning into London, uh, not helped by an accident by the target roundabout in Northolt we're being told. On the trains no significant problems now. James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. Thank you, James. Oh, three, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. If you're an old widow and you want to sing with your dog, you're more than welcome to. Here's the news with Simon. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock. The headlines. Injured holidaymakers flown home from Tunisia. Conman doctor jailed for tricking Hertfordshire couple. And man dies in Dunstable minutes after being robbed. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. They are believed to include John Metcalf from Hazelmere in Buckinghamshire and Gina Van Dort from Watford, whose husband Chris Dyer is among those feared dead. From Seuss, Mark Lowen. The process of repatriating the wounded and identifying those killed is continuing, as is the investigation into who might have helped Seyfedin Rezgi carry out his attack. Yesterday, the Tunisian authorities said they'd arrested a significant number of people linked to the gunman, but didn't specify what role they may have played. The BBC spoke to the attacker's father outside his home, who said he still couldn't understand how his mild-mannered son had carried out such an act, and that there was no sign of a recent change in his nature. An RAF plane has now evacuated some injured British nationals, with more due to depart today. They leave in their wake a country still stunned and fearful that terror could strike again. A conman doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for treatments has been jailed for four years. Joseph Valadakis claimed to have worked with the Queen and a number of high-profile celebrities and persuaded Philip and Emma Randerson from Hartford to pay £97,000. Anne Evans was the prosecutor at St Albans Crown Court. One of his claims was that he was working for the government undercover as MI5. So he just on, kept repeating government data, government data, when you put to him something that he didn't like. St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to grant planning permission for a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Lord Justice Sullivan told them they had no real prospect of success. St Albans Council say they're taking more legal advice before deciding their next step. Police say a man who died after his car hit a wall in Dunstable yesterday had been robbed minutes beforehand. They're trying to identify two women who carried out the theft. More from Tony Fisher. The man had been walking along Albion Street with his partner shortly before midday when they were approached by the women who asked directions before stealing the money. Shortly afterwards, the man's car hit a wall on Edward Street and he was pronounced dead at the scene. Detectives say they're keeping an open mind as to whether the two incidents are connected. The offenders are described as Asian, in their 20s or 30s, and were both wearing light-coloured long tops with blue patterns. Police in Milton Keynes have spent the night negotiating with the man on the roof of a house in Downs Barn. The 47-year-old was arrested for public order offences just before six o'clock this morning. Thames Valley Police say he was unarmed and there was nobody else in the building at the time. In sport, Andy Murray begins his Wimbledon campaign later today against Mikhail Kukushkin of Kazakhstan. A new Watford head coach, Kike Sanchez-Flores, will give his first press conference this afternoon. The weather, hot and sunny, a maximum temperature 27 degrees Celsius and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Simon. Morning, guys. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're an old woman that wants to sing to us, I mean, why, why the hell not? You know what we're like. Anything goes here, guys. Anything goes. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. You can text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I think we've got Jamie back. Morning, Jamie. 
Morning. Ah, can we, can, okay we can hear your voice. Go on. I know you had a, a good point you wanted to make, so I wanted to make sure we could hear it. What, what, what have you got for us? I oh, know you said give a shout back about the trail bikes. Ah, yeah, this is the, the bikes in Houghton Regis that we have been talking about for ages, uh, and uh, it's all been cleared up now, Jamie. Not quite. It's actually getting... Um, so obviously it's so sunny weather's out, they all want to come and play. Aye. And they're literally turning up with trucks at the, at the end of the road <laughs> full of trail bikes and dropping them off to go racing around the fields and the streets. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's... That's, I mean, there's, there's, there's taking the biscuit and then there's taking the, 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 the what's-it. So they're pulling up with... How many bikes are coming out of the back of these trucks? Um, there was one last night. My son came and said, Dad, you got to see this. And there's about uh, six or seven bikes on the back of this and they're just un- unloading them. And then, okay, right. So, so the, the, the local ones are all racing around as well. Yeah. Oh, hey, this is great. You've got like a, a motocross um, circuit going on in your back garden, virtually. I mean, it, when the when the trucks park, do they stay there while the racing's going, while the, the riding's going on? No, no, they drive off. Because that would be the thing. If you could, you know, let the, the the if the police were aware that there was a truck there, because the argument is they're not allowed to chase uh, these uh, youngsters on or anybody on the bike if they're not wearing a helmet. I think it's just gone politically correct. Because it might be dangerous. <laughs> but um, if they could if they could corner the truck, then they might be onto something. But um, well, that's yeah. outrageous. <laughs> you. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it, it is so. We're laughing because it is now. It's now just got preposterous, isn't it? Really. I mean, it is contacting Mickey, so they're obviously not too worried about the police sort of doing anything. If they're confident enough to sort of rock up and load trucks, I mean, I was trying to have a barbecue last night. Like living next to Silverstone. <laughs> he said, meow, meow. <laughs> Has you, or do you know if anybody has? Uh, and I, I say this, you know, and I know I'm expecting a reaction. Told the police about these trucks and given them the the number plates. No, I didn't call the police last night because I didn't catch the number plate. It, so by my son's time, my son called me. It's all driven off. I was going to grab my camera and just take a picture of it, but I didn't. Mm. Was, I, was, I was trying to want to do it discreetly mm. rather than sort of stand there. I was going to say, be careful. Yeah, you know, you you, you <laughs> never know. I don't want you to you know get into trouble or anything. Um, but uh, one would imagine, one would hope, uh, one is confident that if the police had the number plates of these trucks that are dropping off the bikes, then uh, they could do something about it. Because it would appear that words got round that Houghton Regis is the place to go if you've got a dirt bike. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's what's happened. I mean, it's always the same area and things, so... Uh, Jamie, listen, you've got our number. Um, we are uh, we are keeping our eye on this. And, um, you know, if, if it carries on getting worse uh, and there are more trucks, do let us know. And if, if you do... Be careful. I don't want you to, you know, I don't want you to get a kick in or anything. But if you do get any footage or any pictures or anything, could you send them to us as well as letting the police know? Yeah, of course I will do. And we, we might be able to put it up on the Facebook page and uh, have a little... Can I ask you one thing, though, Jamie? Yeah, sure. If you're filming it, right, turn yeah. your phone on the side. Oh, yeah, I hate turn... that. Oh, I hate that. Please, everybody. I was with a mate yesterday and he was filming something. And I said, what are you doing, Glenn? Turn... Turn the phone on the side. No, no TV is is um, portrait shape. Thank yeah. you, Jamie. I know you sound like a sensible chap, and I'm sorry to tell you how to suck eggs, but you, I'm glad you get the point. Jamie, listen, we'll we'll speak soon. Oh uh, three four five nine four double five five. I hate it, Catherine. It does my head uh, in. Turn the phone on the side, and we we often the BBC often show footage, you know, of what's been going on because um, people film it on their phones. They send it to the BBC, but then it's all filmed in portrait, which means it's 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 long and thin, as opposed to being uh, fat and wide. And they have to put like a misty oh, version of it on the outside to fill the screen. What shape? Is your is the cinema screen, guys? Yeah. What shape is your television? <laughs> right. 
Exactly! Turn it round! I refuse to watch any videos of my children if they're not shot the right way round. Well, we've all got standards. I delete them. I delete them! This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. OK. Uh, this is an interesting story we've been talking about uh, all morning. A bogus doctor has been jailed after convincing two families two families into parting with thousands of pounds for alternative therapies, including snail wraps and <clears throat> whale sperm massages. Joseph Valadakis, who worked as Joseph Hoffman, told one of his victims he had cancer, but that he shouldn't seek a second opinion as it might make things worse. Well, his patients trusted his word to the tune of around £160,000. It really is quite incredible. Uh, joining us now is homeopath Simon Charles from Abbots Langley and Dr Barbara Rowlands, a senior lecturer in journalism and author of The Witch Guide to Complementary uh, Medicine. Uh, Simon, let's start with you. This um, uh, Homeopathy, these alternative medicines, there isn't any proof, is there, that they actually work? Uh, yes, there's countless proof. It's all been suppressed by the um, British medical journals. Um, all of the homeopathic medicines, the main ones used, of which there are hundreds and hundreds of them, have been proved. Originally, um, the homeopathic doctors would prove them by taking the crude substances of poisons themselves and then converting them back to homeopathy and then doing blind and double-blind trials that way. The uh, Bacillus flu of 1917-1918 was well proven in practice, because the three homeopathic hospitals got a 96% savior rate, and that flu killed 30, 40 million people worldwide. Orthodoxy got a 4% result. But let me bring um, Dr. Barbara Rowlands in, from uh, author of The Witch Guide to Compliment- Complementary Medicine. I must have missed this one, Barbara, where, where homeopathy was, was proven to, to actually work. Good morning, Ian. Well, I mean, uh, uh, um, Simon's right. There's been hundreds of trials, you know, probably thousands of trials in homeopathy, um, and some, some were positive. But, you know, there's been uh, what we call systematic reviews, where you take all the trials and look at them. And there's been... Um, you know, it's found out there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that this um, homeopathy works. And in fact, there was a, a House of Common Science and Technology Committee in February 9, 2010, I think, which found that there was absolutely no evidence and said that um, homeopathy was scientifically implausible uh, and that homeopathy was a placebo treatment and, the, you know, the government shouldn't prescribe placebos. And, and the government does fund homeopathy to about £4 million a year, um, which it really is money that could be spent on on other things, you know, cancer treatment or, um, you know, j- just funding our hospitals. So, no, there is no overall evidence that homeopathy is anything more than placebo. Simon, is, is, is Barbara the enemy? Is she suppressing the, uh, the, the truth? Well, what I would say, Ian, is this, that uh, most of these programs, maybe yours included, I'm not sure, are set up by the drug companies, and they pay a lot of money to get um, professors and doctors and scientists to come on who are very much biased in the favour of orthodox drugs. And very often they're paid quite highly for it. Uh, I'm being paid nothing for the programme. You can, Bob. You you interrupt before I I do. Go on. (laughs) I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm paid by um, City University of London. I'm certainly not paid by a drug company. Um, you know, the, 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 what I'm saying now, I've really got by research, by looking at all the scientific evidence that, that uh, scientists, um, you know, produce. And, um, you know, who are those scientists? Committee, you know. Who are the scientists employed by? They're employed by the drug companies usually. 
The drug companies are desperate. They want 100% of the so-called business for themselves. Um, they don't want people, little people like me. I'm not even a businessman. I'm a practitioner. It's different. I'm about trying to heal the public. And the fact is, I get about a 70% result in everything I do in a broad range of conditions I treat. And uh, I like to sleep with a good conscience at night. Um, and I want my soul to go to a nice place at the end of the day. Um, so and are you suggesting that um, are you suggesting that Barbara's won't? <laughs> I didn't say that particularly. I don't know Barbara. She doesn't know me. Can I, I just have to just have to say something? That this 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 show is not in any way is not in any way sponsored by the drug companies. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that because you see, you tried to sort of. Uh, catch me a little bit of a trap, a bit of a sting last time a couple of years ago when we spoke, Ian. Yeah. And it didn't really work very well. Well, that, I don't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a catch, it was, just called, it was just called questions. Can I just interrupt there? That, um, sorry to interrupt you, but um, Simon's right, in as much as homeopathy does work, but if you look at what, um, for, for a lot of people, obviously not for everybody, if you look at what homeopathy contains, it contains nothing. You know, it's so dilute, there's not one molecule of the, the original, what they call mother tincture, left. Um, if you're drinking water um, or a sugar pill, now what is very, very, very powerful is the placebo response. And that does have, you know, it's been shown to have physical, you know, um, you know, physical changes take part in the body. You know, it affects your blood pressure, it affects your heart rate, it affects you know, painkillers in your, you know, brain chemicals. Uh, so th- there is an element, and if you go along to a homeopath like Simon, you have your, his full attention on you, um, and, and that's very, very powerful. But there is absolutely nothing in homeopathic remedy. So it's absolutely beyond the realms of science that it actually can work. But yet there is a, isn't there, you say, you mentioned the government, uh, uh, Barbara, invests £4 million a year. There is a homeopathic hospital, isn't there, in, in London, yeah, or at least yeah. a department of a hospital? It, it's the um, Royal London Hospital for Integrated Medicine. It changed its name. I right. There are uh, sort of um, units in Bristol and Liverpool, um, and that is funded by NHS money. And, and Tumbridge Wells in Glasgow as well. Pardon? And Tumbridge Wells and Glasgow as well. No, I think they, you'll find that they have not, that they've, they've um, closed. But the, um, you know, the, the, I think the Royal London Hospital is part of U, uh, University College London. You know, this is money that, uh, really, government money, um, which could be spent on, on proper scientifically-based treatments, that is, is uh, you know, taxpayers' money that is going on basically, uh, you know, Placebo, uh, water, sugar pills. Yeah, but you're talking about more uh, research money, mainly gained through charities from the public and all the rest of it, where cancer research, for example, hasn't changed its tune in anything it does for the last 40 years or so. And, you know, orthodoxy is not succeeding. They are not succeeding. We've got 46% of people in Britain today with some kind of cancer. But that's because we're living longer, isn't it? As you get older, the chances of you getting cancer are, are, are higher. No, no, it's not because we're living longer. Why is it then, Simon? I can explain that one in a minute, if you like. Could you explain it now? No, just a sec. We've what? also got 46% of people on chronic medication every day. OK, uh, could you explain now? I, I, I thought that the 46% of people on cancer was because we are living longer. Uh, no, because young people are getting it, children are getting it. This never used What's to the percentage? The well, it, yes, it, yes, it did. We're uh, just excuse better. me, antibiotics, steroids. Young, young, young people, uh, unfortunately, Simon, the young people, uh, hello, well, unfortunately, si- Simon. Well, Ian, why don't you listen? No, because yeah, you're, too, you're, you're talking nonsense. And when you, when you, when you say something that's not true, 
Simon, yeah. when you... Hello. Some chloride. Yes, why don't you listen? When you say something that's not true, I do ha- It's my job to pick you up on it. Sadly, young people have always got cancer. Pardon? What are you saying? Sadly... Yes? Young people... Yes? ...have always got cancer throughout the years. Uh, it's not a new phenomenon. Cancer figures are way, 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 way up. Hundreds and hundreds of percent in the last few decades. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. And, and that's because we're living longer. What's the percentage of, what's the percentage of young people that have got cancer, then? Uh, Ian, if you drop out all the war statistics, which is what they've done, it's easier to tell us we're living longer. No, we're not living any longer than before. But, Maybe a few months. It's just that a more of... Gosh... Because Simon, what's the percentage of people that? What's the percentage of, uh, of Simon? That more, more of us have got cancer, uh, according to you. What percentage of those people are children? I have no idea. You don't know. So those. So your argument just then, sir, with the greatest respect, is completely invalid. Well, what about the person? No, 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 no. That was Barbara, your argument, and it, it, it bears no scrutiny. Yeah. Barbara, I'm are there right. any of these alternative remedies that work, Barbara? No, I mean I think um, I'm quite a fan. Person. I'm quite a fan of the softer therapies like massage, aromatherapy, oh, yeah. reflexology. I mean they're all very nice and they support you if you're going through treatment, just help you relax. So I don't think there's anything magic about them. Um, there has been, I think the jury is a little bit out on acupuncture, which might be very, you know, good for certain kinds of pain. But for the rest, you know, particularly the ones that work on these strange kind of philosophies, you know, where you have meridian lines coursing through the body and chakras which are holes, you know, where power goes in and out and all that. You know, there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that they work uh, above and beyond placebo, and that's, they do work by placebo, I think. Here's, do... the, here's a question, Barbara, before, yeah. and I'm sure Simon will, will, will raise this, and I, this, I've heard this before when we've discussed yeah. homeopathy, and it's, uh, Lorraine's uh, just posted it on Twitter. Yeah. If it's a placebo effect, how does it uh, work on dogs? There's, yeah, I mean, um, I think a lot of this is the owner. You know, if, if, you, if you believe in homeopathy, you wouldn't be taking your dog along to homeopath unless you be- believed it. So there's, yeah. there's that element. You know, you, 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 you want a positive outcome. And um, animals themselves aren't stupid. I mean, if you go to, they know they're having attention on them and they know when things bad are happening. You know, if you go, if you... If you pack a suitcase for holiday, your dog knows you're going away and probably will either sit in it or look miserable. So they kind of know when they're having the full focus of attention on them. But there have been studies, and there was one particular study on mastitis, you know, which is an a, a infection of cow's udders, and it was a big, big study, which um, the homeopath was very positive. But when you actually looked into it, it, there was no difference between the cows that were treated with homeopathy and the trials that were treated with the kind of normal veterinary medicine um, and so, um, you know, the placebo response sort of can work, but it's very short-lived usually. Um, and you get the placebo response yourself when you go to the doctor and you have a nice chat with the doctor. Simon does make a good point, doesn't he, Barbara? Um, I, I, I managed to spot one. The, yeah. um uh, the, the drug companies are—they're f- not fueled by the desire to uh, make the world a better place. No, they are no, fueled, but I mean, it's a big business, isn't it? And they—and they—they need people to be ill to make their money. Yes, I completely agree with you, but I, but I also have to bear in mind that complementary medicine is a big business. I mean, drug companies have behaved rather badly in the past couple of decades, you know, and there's lots of the adverse effects uh, of drugs that actually do kill and kill in large numbers. But that you know, fifty of the drugs that are made by drug companies do actually work. You know, you've got anaesthetics, um, you've got uh, blood thinning tablets, 
um, you know, many antibiotics work. Obviously, there needs to be lots of research because some of them aren't working now. You've got cardiac and heart and thyroid drugs. So, you know, and chemotherapy. But the problem, the problem with drugs is that they're treating killer diseases, mm. you know, like cancer, uh, like diabetes. You know, you'd be dead if you didn't have diabetic drugs. And, uh, you know, with those, you do get side effects. And that's true, Simon. My mum had cancer last year. She uh, went and had chemo. Guess what? She's not got cancer anymore. So the drugs do work. Well, I'm very pleased about that. Thank you. It, it does work about 20% of the time. But for how long? That's the point. Uh, you know, the way to sell a, a, um, a sales product is, like a drug product, is to create the need for it. So the drugs are not actually designed to cure people at all. They're designed to maintain people. Two kinds of maintenance. One is to maintain a guarantee that the disease stays alive in the body underneath the drug, while maintenance suppresses through toxicity uh, the symptoms. So my mum's got invisible cancer that will come back? Well, the fact is, you see, they do a five-year statistic. After 12 years... Don't tell her. ...the people left who were treated 12 years before. Can I just come in there? I mean, of course that, you can, Barbara. That, that might be true. You might have you, you, your your mum might be on a cancer drug. The cancer might come back. Yeah. It might not. But um, even if it does, you know, your your mother's got more more years of life. The thing with homeopathy, and what's dangerous about homeopathy, is that essentially you'd say, well, it's complete. You know, there's nothing in it, therefore it's harmless. But you do get homeopaths. I'm not in any way saying Simon is like this. Who will prescribe homeopathy for serious diseases? You know, and homeopaths are well known to be against immunisation. Um, you know, that they, you've had homeopath studies which showed that homeopaths have suggested travellers take homeopathy instead of malaria pills. Um, and uh, some can homeopaths... I just uh, chip in there? Yeah. Uh, malaria is the orthodox's biggest, biggest failure of all time in treatment. Biggest failure of all time. Uh, How successful is homeopathy with malaria? The three female mosquitoes that do the biting uh, take more lives than all the wars put together. Orthodoxy is absolutely nowhere on How successful is homeopathy with malaria? Um, Well, we're not supposed to treat it because one homeopath about 20 years ago gave somebody some malaria prophylactics and they happened to get malaria. So what? One escapes through the net. So, 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 well, okay, but how successful has homeopathy been with malaria? orthodoxy banned us from using uh, malaria. I'll ask it again. Uh, How successful, before the ban, has homeopathy been in treating malaria? I've told you of one case, precisely, that didn't work. Well, so of the cases I've heard so far, it's 100% failure. Yes, of the cases I've heard so far, Simon, it's 100% failure. I'll ask you a fifth time. What's a a failure, 100% failure? That person what died. Yeah, that uh, up until that point... That was Harleman, Samuel Harleman, who invented the office. That was his biggest success of all time, with a 96% success rate. Right, this is what I'm asking, Simon. Hello? This is what I'm asking. Up until that point, what was the success rate for homeopathy in terms of dealing with malaria? I've told you, 96% as far as I know. Thank you very much, uh, indeed. Uh, and it's interesting as well, isn't it, because cause the drug companies, they, they do make a lot of money, of course they do. Um, but yes. but, but so do all... It's tiny by comparison. Well, yeah, it's tiny by comparison, but it's um, it's still, you know, you guys, you still get a fair whack. Can, can I just, again, butt in, it's not tiny, actually. I mean, there was a report by Mintel in 2009 which showed that 
you know, in people in Britain spent four billion pounds on complementary medicine a year. Now, um, so I don't think that's tiny at all, and and it's set to increase according to Mintel. So I think, you know, and across the West, people are buying into complementary medicine, you know, left, right, and centre, which you know is their individual right, and a lot of it's about control. You know, I can control my health, but it's when. Complementary therapists, um, you know, take the place of doctors. Mm. People just don't go to their doctor. You know, they've got something. They, it could be, as I said, diabetes or it could be cancer. They just don't go to the doctor. And that is when it's really, really dangerous. Simon? With a lot of these um, so-called complementary um, medicine products, um, a lot of those are just beauty products, quite honestly, for vanity, you know? What? That's all they are. But can I get back to another subject about what is in homeopathy? Yeah, go on. If you start with the X or the D potency, which is 1 in 10, yep. homeopathically... Don't give us too many numbers. Part, that is 1 part to 9 parts water. Yep. So it, there is substance in it. So get this out of your heads once and for all time. It does have substance in. We then take the potency... Can I just say something? You very, ca- very carefully and very cleverly sidestepped the, the point about... Alternative medicines do make... compared to what the drug companies No, 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 but it doesn't matter whether it's nothing compared. No, 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 the comparison is irrelevant. Alternative medicines do get a fair um, uh, chunk of money, don't you? People make money from it. It's a business. Companies have been fined over five million, a couple of them, in recent times. Okay, but it's a business. It is a business. That's more than all the alternative medicines make put together. Yeah, but it's a business. We had this out last time two years ago. I know, and it's great to have you back and have it out again. And we we will do it again if you want, because I enjoy talking to you. But it it is a business. Well, because Um, you're ignoring the question. It is a business. People pay in their tax. Or the NHS, which has yeah. been ailing, ailing, ailing since the days of... But, but, uh, but alternative medicine is a business. Uh, well, it is for some people. I'm a practitioner. Right. I'm not a well-off man. No, I, 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 no but it is a business. I'm still having to work, and I've got a, a mortgage, so I'm 81. Well, that's, that's, I, I'm sorry to hear that. that but, the doctors, they don't do that. No, that sounds like jealousy. But, but it no, is I'm a business. Not, no, I'm too involved to be a jealous man. Oh, too involved. Oh, I do like talking to you, Simon. Simon, listen, we'll get you back again if you fancy it. Yes, OK. Thank you very much indeed. I've, I've got to move on because we, I've already missed one news bulletin and, and I, I don't miss another. The, the last voice you heard there was uh, homeopath Simon Charles from Abbots Langley and uh, Dr Barbara Rowlands, uh, a senior lecturer in journalism and also the author of The Witch Guide to Complementary Medicine and one of the politest ladies I've ever been involved in a, a, a debate with. Can I just butt in here and say, of course you can, Barbara. Uh, thank you for that. Well, both excellent guests. We'll both we'll get you back on again at some point if you fancy. Oh three, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, really slow into Bedford this morning. The A6 is slow moving heading in from the north. That's because of the roadworks on Paula Radcliffe Way, the bypass works, of course. Also really slow heading in on the Bromham Road from the Bridge End side into Bedford. A6 is also slow through Clophill. Delays towards Milton Keynes are spotted on the sensors uh, from Chichester on the A509 all the way down towards the M1 and then into MK. M1 itself southbound, uh, fairly busy in patches south of Milton Keynes uh, towards Flittick and then it's 
very heavy towards Junction 10 Luton. Anti-clockwise M25 slow from 19 towards 16. That's down to the M40, of course. A40 very slow moving into London this morning. Not helped by an accident by the target roundabout in Northolt. A1M southbound, by the way, at Stevenage. Usual congestion there. And a check on the trains reveals no problems currently. James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, I'm Simon Oxley. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. They are believed to include John Metcalf from Hazelmere in Buckinghamshire and Gina Van Dort from Watford, whose husband Chris Dyer is among those feared dead. Police say a man who died after his car hit a wall in Dunstable yesterday had been robbed minutes beforehand. They're trying to identify two women who carried out the theft. St Albans District Council has lost its court bid to appeal against the government's decision to grant planning permission for a controversial rail freight terminal at Park Street. Lord Justice Sullivan told them they had no real prospect of success. And a 47-year-old man has been arrested in Milton Keynes for public order offences after a rooftop protest at a house in Downs Barn overnight. He was arrested just before six o'clock this morning. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray will begin his campaign for a second Wimbledon title today. He plays Mikhail Kukushkin of Kazakhstan in the third match on centre court at around five o'clock this afternoon. Also today, Hertfordshire-based Aljaz Bedin from Slovenia faces Radek Stepanek. It's Bedin's third Wimbledon, but his first since gaining British citizenship, having lived in Welling Garden City since 2008. In football, new Watford head coach Kike Sanchez-Flores will give his first press conference this afternoon. Flores has taken over from Slavisa Jokanovic, who guided the Hornets to the Premier League. Luton manager John Still says the signing of Josh McCoy isn't the end of his summer recruitment. McCoy arrives at Kenilworth Road, having been at Bournemouth last season. He can play various positions, can play in a 4-3-3, can play in a 4-4-2. Uh, he can score, he can supply, he's played at a good level, so his, his knowledge is, is going to be good. It, without being old, he's got good experience. And in golf, final qualifying takes place today. For next month's Open Championship at St Andrews, qualifying is at Woburn, with three places up for grabs. Colin Montgomery features, as does St Albans player Will Roebuck, who's a member at Woburn. I probably know the, the place um, better than anyone else playing. Um, my caddy is also a member at the club, so you know there's no excuses when it comes to to not knowing the course. That's that's for sure. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at nine. Local and vocal across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. The um the last time I had a discussion about homeopathy. I got attacked from both sides. I had um, the homeopaths having a go at me. Say attacked, I mean, it's only on Twitter and on email, actually. I had the homeopaths having a go at me for being too harsh on homeopathy and, and being under the payroll of the drug masters. Uh, and I had the anti-homeopaths. There are people who get really angry about homeopathy and think it's dangerous. I had the anti-homeopaths sending me these really long email essay- essays and um, 
about how bad it was and how I'd let them get away with it and I was promoting dangerous treatments and stuff. And this guy, one guy, wanted to meet me for a, a drink to go through it. And I said, do you know what, mate? I, I ain't going to do it. Why don't you and Adrian Goldberg come and meet me for lunch and I'll talk you through it? I said, um... Because I don't want to. Oh, I'm really disappointed in you, Ian. Really disappointed. Oh, do you know what? I've, I've indulged two of your lengthy emails and been polite enough to reply. Jog on. Both the, the, the vehemently anti and the vehemently pro are as bad as each other in that argument, I think, really. Chrissy Milton sent us a text message about it saying, oh, yeah. Simon is making my blood boil. Well, he's Ho probably got a pill for that. He probably has. Won't be anything in it, though, a bit of sugar. He says, homeopathy like is bunk and homeopaths peddle a dangerous nonsense that can kill if it manages to persuade people not to seek proven remedies. Um, and OC writes, analysis of uh, homeopathic medicine shows that the remedies are so dilute that they contain no active substances and like cures. Who in their right mind would take a known cancer-causing agent like aflatoxin from peanuts in the hope that they would cure a cancer they already had? That's from OC. I guess he's against homeopathy. Well, that would uh, do that. Any light-hearted bants going on there? Uh, let's have a look. Uh, what, I'll tell you what part of me hurts. All of me, says Tony. It's so hurtful you don't read out my text messages. Oh, we just did. Uh, Mark in Bedford. Morning, my big toes are killing me. I've been told they're corns due to the fact that you can't buy a size 12 off the shelf. I'm the only size 12 in the world. And it's not true what they say about big feet. Uh, big Thanks, shoes. Uh, well, um, the, the, no, size 12 is dead common now, because I used to be a freak because I was size 10, but now you get lads that are like size 14. For, size 14 is quite common nowadays. Size 10 is quite small given your length yeah, thank of you, body. Thank you very much indeed, Catherine. I'm glad you managed to clarify. 03459 555 is the phone number. A man's been beaten up on a Thameslink train after waking up a fellow passenger. The incident happened on a late night service when the victim saw someone apparently about to miss his stop. So he tapped him on the shoulder and said, sorry mate, uh, this could be your stop. The bloke had a go at him. Um, and uh, then it got rather unpleasant. Uh, Sergeant Stephen Bartlett is from British Transport Police and joins me now. Morning, Sergeant. Hi, good morning. How Have are you? I got that right? He, he, he thought the chap, was, the chap was asleep, thought he was going to miss his stop, so he woke him up just to um, let him know. Yeah, that's unfortunately uh, exactly right, actually, yes. What what happened then? Because it didn't get violent straight away, did it? No, that's right. Uh, the the guy who was woken up, um, the person we want to speak to in relation to the offence, uh, he reacted initially okay, but then he realised it wasn't his stop, and he got angry. And then he actually had a verbal uh, altercation with our victim, uh, who, who actually moved down the train to get away from him. And unfortunately, a few minutes later, this um, guy we need to speak to, he went down the train, hunted the uh, victim out, and uh, proceeded to assault him, as you say. And it was it was a it was quite a vicious attack, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, the victim was a 38-year-old man from Bedford. He suffered a broken and cut nose, swelling to the head, and some bruising. And it's not known yet whether his nose is going to be a bit put back uh, right, if you like. Blimey! Now let's get let's get a, a few of the facts. When was this? What, what what date? What time? And where was this train going? This is actually, uh, it was a Bedford-bound service from Gatwick. Uh, we actually originated in Brighton, but um, people who we need to speak to got on at Gatwick. And it was bound for Bedford. Uh, it was on Wednesday the 17th of June at about 25 past two in the morning. Okay. Uh, and the, uh, we believe the incident happened between St Albans and Luton Airport Parkway. And was there anybody else on the carriages? Would anyone have seen this that you've not spoken to? Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the big things. I, I am aware there were some people on the carriages uh, who would have seen 
this incident progressed through the train, if you like, and uh, indeed on the carriage in question, there's three or four people there who, if they haven't come forward, you know, we'd really encourage them to come forward and try and speak to us, and that's what we're appealing for help. And I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, this isn't a judgment call on those people for not getting involved. They're not in trouble. It's kind of a natural human reaction, bizarrely, not to step in when something like this is happening. You just want to speak to them and find out what they saw. Well, that's right. Um, you know, we're appealing for witnesses to anything that anybody did see. Um, you know, thankfully, incidents like this are very rare. Uh, you know, crimes down on the network by um, for the tenth year in a row, uh, which is really good. But uh, we're doing everything we can to catch the person responsible, and this is why we need those people to come forward and say, "I actually saw this. I saw him. I saw." What do this. we know? Do we know uh, what did he look like? What was he wearing? Anything like that? Yes, we do know what he looks like. Um, all the images are available for people to view uh, on media, of course, uh, on the main British Transport Police website at media.btp.police.uk or even on Twitter at BTP Stevenage. OK. Uh, well, listen, uh, Stephen, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Let's keep our uh, uh, fingers crossed. Sergeant Stephen Bartlett from British Transport Police there, 03459 455555. <laughs> This is Ian Lee <laughs> on BBC Three Counties Radio. You can text 81333 as well. Start your text um, 3CR or you can send an email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Why didn't he tell me what the guy looked like? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can go and check on Twitter, but... What if you've not got Twitter? Right. He had a perfect opportunity to tell Shall me... Shall I have a look and then I'll give you a description? Yeah, please. That was, that I mean, was... he looked asleep, that's the point, I think. <clears throat> that was weird, wasn't it? What does he look like? Well, you can go and look on Twitter. Oh. OK. Are we... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I took bit... my boys to... Um, when we went to see The Minions, I, 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 I do this whenever I can and they don't look busy. Went to see The Minions film, then we came out and in the car park was a police van with a copper there. And uh, the boys get excited because it's a police van and it's a copper. And I said, should we go and say hello to him? They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I always uh, make a point of taking the kids over to say hello to the, to the policeman. And he was very friendly. His name was um, Aaron, I think. Odd name for a copper. Uh, and uh, he was very good and he, he shook my hand and he said hello to the boys and uh, I asked the boys if they'd been good and they said yeah and he said well that's okay that's two arrests I don't have to make then thanks Brilliant. boys keep up the good work and that was that and I thought it was kind of um, he looked a bit surprised that we'd gone he's only a young fella uh, and he looked surprised that we'd gone over. And I wonder how many parents do that. I think it's quite important to do that. I know my wife does. If, if um, the, the boys were telling me the other day that they'd, they'd had a look at a motor police motorbike, you know, because they went over and said hello. And, had a look. and of course, the, the kids don't say anything because they're too shy. But mm. that's, that's, do you do that with the girls? Yeah, I do. And uh, fire engines as well. They like fire engines. Yeah. So do my little nephews. And if, if we see one out and about, it's obviously not on a job. You know, sometimes it's just pulled up. Oh, yeah, don't do it if it's got flashing lights and it's going really fast. I'll wait till they finish, then I'll have a word. But yeah, um, they you, like to have a look. I tell you what I don't do it for, and I will not do it for. Ambulances. No, 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 no. Oh, even in the back of an ambulance, I like that. No, um, uh, what do you call it? Mr Whippy, the ice cream van. I will not take them over to speak to the ice cream no. driver. We Me will neither. Not, we will not have that. In fact, if the bell's going, it means there's no ice cream left. Yeah, exactly. Any Texas? Uh, yeah, we've got some through. Uh, people confessing to quite liking Simply Red songs. This may be disturbing for some listeners, so yeah. uh, listen away now. If there's a Simply Red song you think's all right, I quite like Stars. I quite like it. I will go out and buy it, but if it's on, I'll hum along to it, you know. I did have it on tape. I had uh, New Flame. There we go. Um, but I was young. Uh, Karen in Welling Garden City says, I like Fairground, Simply Red. It's just the one yep. of the songs she likes, yep. she, she says over and over. 
Um, and uh, we also had... Uh, oh, Helen is not very happy about tennis. Tennis is now going to take over oh, the TV. What God. a load of rubbish. More Isn't like it? wim boredom. In it, I think I did that joke earlier. Well, Helen liked it so much she recycled it. OK, it is, it is just absolute rubbish, isn't it? I mean, it's Dullsville. I don't get sport. No, I mean... Oh. Mm. Well, we, we sent JD out. We'll speak to him in a bit um, to discuss the fact that the BBC have lost uh, the Olympics. Sing hosannas from 2022 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll probably be dead by then. Um, well, BBC have got the Olympics. It's going to be on the Discovery Channel, which I won't have because we're getting rid of Sky. Unless you get it on Freeview, I don't know. I need to work out if I've still got an aerial on my roof that I can plug my television into. There's a hole in the wall. So I just need the cable, isn't it? Uh, no. Go on, you've got something you're going to say. say I've got it, a picture of the I'm, fella I'm on the train. Oh, yeah, go on. He looks a bit like someone from E17. OK. But a nondescript, one of the like roofers from the back of E17. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he looks kind of, he's a white man, I would say probably late teens, early 20s, slim. He was wearing a hooded top and a polo shirt done right up and a, a distinctive baseball cap with, in camouflage with the insignia fresh. Oh, the thing I don't like about the media is you never say if it's a white guy that's done a criminal, you'll always say if it's a black... Oh, did you, sorry, did you, what colour did you say it was? He's a white fella. OK, sorry, I do apologise. I miss, uh, miss, uh, I misheard um, there. Speaking of E17, they were in the papers yesterday because um, they played a gig. I think it was in Dublin, but I might be wrong. And uh, only 30 people turned up. Well, I've said, and I was disappointed because you know, big friends uh, with Tony Mortimer from E17 on uh, I am. I am too on Twitter. No, well, I'm actually a friend of his. You know, we 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 hang out all the time, and I've been to see E17 in concert with Tony Mortimer. Yeah, it was a bit of fun, mate. It was a bit of fun. Uh, no, Brian Harvey, he was too busy uh, uh, reversing his car over himself of all people. But then they did a gig in Ireland, uh, like, last uh, week. You know what the mistake was? What? That was boy's own territory, Exactly. That. Well, they, they, they only 30 people turned up. But then you read it, and, it, and it, Tony Mortimer wasn't in it. It was the two builders. It was the builder, the painter and the decorator, and the new guy, who's from Slough. Um, and that was it. Well, that's not really E17, is it? That's E19 that, in a that's bit. That's John... I'm going to say Terry. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I am right, aren't I? And the other fellow, the other fellow who's, who's new boy. very, very buff, but he's not E17, you know. One of those guys going to put their differences aside and um, and sort that nonsense out. 03459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Uh, we'll speak to Dealey in a bit. Let's get the Trav first. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And still very busy on the M25, anti-clockwise slow from 19 down towards 16 towards the M40. Uh, the M1 easing off a little bit now, but southbound of Toddington service is still quite heavy and also very busy down towards uh, Junction 9, Redbourne. The A1M is heavy passing Stephen, as usual congestion there. Again, delays in uh, Bedford. A6 Paula Radcliffe Way slow moving into Bedford because of the bypass works and it's slow moving on all approaches to Clop Hill at the uh, roundabout, main roundabout there by the Flying Horse, especially on the southbound A6, those delays. A509 southbound towards Milton Keynes from Chichley. That's slow on the sensors. And the A414 at London Coney. Usual congestion in both directions towards the London Coney roundabout. Moving on to uh, trains. Uh, generally good service. No reported problems across the three counties. James Worley, BBC Three Counties Radio. James, thank you very much.
Uh, 8.45, it's Tuesday the 30th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. Police say a man who died after his car hit a wall in Dunstable yesterday had been robbed minutes beforehand. And a con man doctor who tricked a Hertfordshire couple into paying almost £100,000 for treatments has been jailed for four years. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. The temperature outside at the moment ranging between 17 and 19 Celsius already. So that sets the scene of just how warm it's going to get today. Blue sky and sunshine, wall-to-wall sunshine actually. UV levels very high and also the pollen count very high, but we're looking at a maximum temperature of 27 Celsius. Sunset's 21, 24. It's going to be a very uncomfortable, humid, muggy night. Minimum down to 16 in the countryside, more like 18, 19 in towns and cities. Sunrise is at 04.46 tomorrow morning morning and it is going to be another very hot humid day staying dry in the most part temperatures though rising to around 31 celsius tomorrow afternoon so very warm very hot but that in turn could spark off a potential thunderstorm many places going with that but there is the potential there we do run the risk that's your forecast Every weekday from three, local stories. People in Watford are being urged to celebrate their local heroes by creating a postcard in their honour. In other local news, rugby fans are being warned to watch out for fake World Cup tickets. Roberto Peroni. Now, a metal detectorist has discovered an archaeological find in a field near Royston in Hertfordshire. Taxi drivers in Luton are demanding to be allowed to drive in bus lanes at all times. There is to be a new station at the Leighton Buzzard Narrow Gauge Railway. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh three four five nine four double five five double five. Ladies and gentlemen, it, and this is David Luton. Good morning, David. Good morning, boss. There are pictures of you floating around the internet. Let's put those ones to one side and focus on the ones that are t- taken with you with Justin Dealey. Yeah. Yeah. And you I'll look like what? After harassment... Did you did you harass Justin Dealey? No, he did me. He did you? Yes. And I was thinking, well, that guy looks like somebody, and I couldn't work out who. And somebody, and I've, I've missed it, so apologies, I can't find who said this. You look like... And Google him now, guys. You look like Ginger Baker. Who's Ginger Baker? Click that, Who please. Who the hell is Ginger Baker? Say that again. Who the hell is Ginger Baker? It's like having a performing monkey. Ginger Baker, one of the greatest and most aggressive and most obnoxious drummers of all time. Doesn't he, Kath? He does. He looks like Ginger <laughs> Baker. And, uh, oh, th- excuse th- me. Excuse thank you. Hang on. Thank me. you, whoever tweeted that. I've lost the tweet, but you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, I played the drums in the 60s. Yeah. Well, did you me, you didn't yeah. play it in the band Cream, did you? No, no. Oh, so in that case, so you're definitely not Ginger no, lo- Baker. Local, local groups. Oh, yeah. What were they called? Highlanders, Mighteen and the Kingsman, Brian and the Brunels. Brian and the Brunels. Just in you there. Who was yeah. the uh, Who was the lead singer in Brian and the Brunels? Brian. Okay, uh, fair play. Anything else? No, no. All I know, I was harassed. I was my own, minding my own business, doing yep. my shopping. Yep. When I was harassed, pulled in front of security to have a photograph taken, yep. insulted. 
Yeah. And called a scruffy git this morning type of thing. Well, here's something. And Kelly, you missed this. You're like this, Kelly. This is the first time we've exposed this on the radio. Yeah. Did you used to be a truck driver, Dave? Yeah. HCV1. Oh, OK. Yeah. What did you do if you needed a wee in your truck? Well, you didn't, did you? No. you get out and have a wee, would you? Well, you, you go on... You, I'm on the motorway all the time. You've yeah. got service stations, haven't you? you? You pull out and get out and go and have a wee, yeah? Well, down the hedge. Yeah. Us men can go and have a wee on down the hedge, go can't we? Go and have we? a wee down the hedge. Any incidents yeah. getting... like Because getting in and out of a truck is not as easy as it looks, is it? It's easy. You what? You've got, you got steps to get in okay. and steps to get out. And do you always look where you're going when you're getting off the truck? Yeah, of course you do. You're can I, ask you, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, go on then. Did you once climb off your truck and fall down a manhole? No. You're telling me that's never happened? No. Okay. Yeah, okay. Is okay. there any more you want to know? Well, you know uh, I mean? Justin. Oh, I'm crying. Oh, I'm he looks, absolutely oh, crying. He <laughs> looks like Ginger Please. Baker. This is this is the reunion on Radio 4. Well, the picture was taken just a few days ago, but now they're back together for the first time since those pictures were taken. It's Justin Dealey and it's Dave from Luton. Oh, yeah, but he, you... rashed, but he harassed me yesterday. No, he I had didn't. me in front of the uh, security and taking pictures. Oh, dear. Minding my own business... Did you want to borrow my comb next time, Justin? Uh, excuse me, excuse me, says yeah. the man with, with zero swag. I'm not being funny, Dave, but uh, please sort that shirt out. What an absolute state you look yesterday. No, no, you no, went no, out in public me. like that. Excuse me, I yeah. was, in the morning, before I saw you, I'd done a little garden. And I'm not going to wear my new shirts, am I? Well, well, no, maybe not in the garden, but maybe, you know, when you actually go out in public, Dave, it was a bit of a letdown. I, I was thinking that, that maybe you turn yourself round and you bought some new clothes and, and the ladies were throwing themselves at you. Sadly, well, it was, uh, any, any, well, no, sadly, it was well, anything but. Yeah, I said go back get get Catherine and I could throw myself over her, you know what I mean? No, she doesn't want that, Dave. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she told me. Yeah, she told me. Oh, Who the hell is Ginger Baker? <laughs> yeah. It was. Can I just say? Can I just say? It was. Um, uh, thank you. It was Doug Harper on Twitter who said you look like Ginger Baker. Hey, D D D Dave. Do you want to have a little listen to this? Justin's been out on the streets to ask people if they're going to miss the Olympics. Now the BBC have lost it. Good. Ooh. Yeah. Well, why don't you have a little listen, Dave? And yeah. then when it finishes, we'll come back for your critique. Do you know what that means? Yes. What does it mean? Well, you want to give me my opinion? Yeah, exactly. On on this on this package, should we do that? Yeah, D Justin. Yeah. Sorry, are you are you open for criticism from um, from uh, Dave Luton? Uh, absolutely, of course. Yes. Introduce what we're going about to hear. Okay, so uh, the BBC have lost full rights to the Olympics. We are still going to see the Olympics on the BBC, but not as we currently know it. Uh, it's going to be going on to, to Eurosport in the future. Um, are people going to miss it? You this morning, Ian, have been disgraceful, okay. saying that uh, you you won't miss it at all. You absolutely hate the Olympic Games, which is. A, a sad state of affairs, I think. Yeah. So I've taken this one to the streets to see if people will miss it. Here's what happened. Will you miss the Olympics as we currently know it on the BBC? Do you care, boss? Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, everybody, I think everybody will miss it because it's, it's well, it's basically a national heritage, isn't it? So when you saw the Olympics 2012 on TV, did it make you feel good? Yes. Proud to be British? Yes, always, always. Anything that... Anything where a British man, English man, whatever you want to call them, a woman, wins a championship is always good for us. Ian Lee back in our studio says, I don't care, couldn't care less. 
Well, what do you think about his attitude? They don't care less. Of course we do. Everybody cares. Everybody cares. I mean, that's what part being British is about, isn't it? You know. Should we go tag team and take him out? Yeah, let's. Yeah, bring him in. All right. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Andrew, the BBC will not be showing the Olympics as we currently know it in the future. Do you care? Not really, no. This doesn't bother me too much, really. What? Our country doesn't bother you? Well, Being proud to be British doesn't bother you? No, it, it, does, it does, but the Olympic Games is not really... I'm, I'm just not really a sporty person, to be honest, so it does, sports don't really bother me too much. You don't even like football? No. That's just wrong. Thanks for your time. <laughs> right, cheers. So, will you miss the Olympics on the BBC in full? Yeah. No, more new re world records being broken. But what if we don't see that and people talk about it? You've missed out on something. If somebody said, you know what, I couldn't care less about the Olympic Games, absolute rubbish, would you give them a slap? I wouldn't waste my energy. Dave, your thoughts, please. Well, thank goodness the BBC have lost it. I hate it. I no, hate it on no, the television. No, that's not what I asked for. I asked for your observations, please, and your, um, your criticisms, positive and negative, of Justin's package. Load of rubbish. Load of rubbish. And he got nothing else to talk about other than the Olympics. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Harsh, harsh mate. Harsh. Very, very harsh. But, but fair. Incidentally, no, incidentally fair. Would, it ju would it just enough to go to Asda's twice? Oh. Oh. Mm. Oh, okay. Justin. <laughs> That's a oh. very personal question. Oh, why did you go to Asda's twice, mate? Okay, because I went to buy some cigarettes. Uh, kids yeah. don't smoke, by the way. And uh, also, I yes, thought to myself, hang, well, well, okay. Um, and uh, I got back and I thought, oh, I uh, haven't got a cigarette lighter. So I walked back out to get a cigarette lighter. Is that okay no. for you, Dave? Is that all right? No, 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 no. It was to grab me, wasn't it? On that, at the front of Esther's. Wow, the arrogance. Pin, pin, <laughs> pin, 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 pin them down against that security, man. Hang on. What? <laughs> Dave, listen. Getting my mates to take photographs. Dave, uh, listen, it's great to have you back on board. And uh, we... Andrew, it's nice to come back on board as it, well. It is. That, now, that £10 you owe us. <laughs> yeah. When are we going to get that? Nothing, ne never. Nothing, never, never. Thank you, Dave. Okay, uh, ta ta, -ta. Uh, Boss, I've got to tell you this. Yesterday, when I first saw Dave, I was hiding behind the bush and I was uh, doing impressions of him. And uh, he was looking looking around. He was like, Where, where's that noise coming from? Uh, and then I jumped out and I said, Dave, lovely to see you again. By the way, where's that £10 for the T-shirt that you owe us? And he stepped back. And uh, let's just say that I think he needed an extra pair of underpants. But uh, I said, Dave, we're only joking. It's just a big joke. And he was yeah. like, OK, I'll try and phone him tomorrow. That's if I'm not dropping off phoning. my great-granddaughter, uh, not dropping off my daughter, not dropping off uh, the dog. He seems to, to, to drop everybody off in the morning, so he can't phone us. But, the but there's the evidence. He but stopped, he's back on board. He stopped phoning so because mm. he was worried. Anyway, Twitter is now um, the new... Um, is it let's trending? Th let's start using a hashtag, guys. Hashtag Dave Luton, please. <laughs> uh, it is trending. Pe people are posting pictures of Ginger Baker and Dave Luton together. So, um, <laughs> uh, so that's good. Uh, Catherine, what have you got for us? I've got a mission. A yeah, mission from Marcia in Bedford for you, Justin, should you choose okay. to accept it. Mm. He says, can you find the dancing pizza boy? Right? In, fi in Flitwick yesterday, there are about 15 young people as human oh, pizza dear. boards spread across the town, most looking quite bored. But there was one opposite the petrol station with mm. his earphones on dancing really happily. He was a teenager and cheered Marty up at 8.30am full of energy. Oh. The others are there today, but the dancing boy is missing. It's too keen. Please, uh, Justin, find and bring back Dancing Pizza Boy and tell the shop to double his pay. 
Well, I'll tell you about this. How about we try and track him down? And on Friday, as is a kind of a you know weekend sort of vibe type thing, how yeah. about we find him? We find him, and I go dancing on the streets for the programme. We can record that. Beautiful. We can get listeners down with us as well. How does that sound? That sounds like a plan. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> I just want to hear this again. I've done a little garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, oh dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> Justin, speak to you later, mate. Take it easy. Ta-ta, ta-ta. I don't like these. Well, I've already posted the video. Did, Kelly, did you see the video I posted of the pink guy? Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I found him. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll send you the video of him. I, I felt bad. I don't like these people that dance in the street selling food. It makes me... It's like the Spider-Man works near us. He's advertising a car wash. The Spider-Man. He'll be out in this weather as well. The Spider-Man. Does he dance or just web? Um, the Spider-Man dances. Uh, the Batman don't dance. <laughs> he wouldn't. No, the Batman don't dance. Too dark. Uh, there's an Iron Man as well. There's an Iron Man who I think sells pizzas. I mean, these, uh, these, I thought the Iron Man was a billionaire. That's how he manages to, to afford the Iron Man suit. It's as if there's no crime anymore. Yeah. They're messing about with pizzas. It's a shame, isn't it? It's a shame. Well, we managed to stagger to the end of this uh, of yet another uh, radio show. Uh, if you want to get the podcast... Ah, the podcast from last week that got lost, because Kelly weren't here, has been found again. It was floating around the internet. It was knocking at um, Scott Mill's door. Well, he's, he's going to tear that apart and uh, use it mercilessly. Never mind. It's been found. So if you go to iTunes and type in Ian Lee, it pops up now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, really slow on the A509 heading down from the Newport Pagnell, uh, well, passing Newport Pagnell towards Milne Keynes. It's been slow for some time and we found out the reason why. A lorry's broken down on the Tickford roundabout. Queues from Chichley, our speed sensors confirming. Uh, routes into Bedford really slow, including the A6, both north and southbound because of the works on Paula Radcliffe Way. Also very busy from Bridge End into Bedford. Southbound M1, by the way, passing Toddington services, still very slow on the sensors. And a check on the M25 anti-clockwise is heavy down towards Junction 6 for the M40. Uh, trains, well, Metropolitan Line possible delays in London because of a faulty train earlier. James Warley, BBC, Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it, that's your lot. Go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee. And the pod- podcast will pop up. JBS is up next until tomorrow at six from us. Ta-ta. and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday. It's nine o'clock and on today's big phone-in. Is it ever okay to park in a disabled bay if you're not disabled? A 17-year-old from Dunstable has received criticism on Facebook after parking his scooter in a disabled bay. Local people have commented on the picture of a red and white scooter in a yellow bay with a wheelchair emblem saying, unbelievable, and just kick it over. The teenager has defended using the bay at Dunstable McDonald's, posting to all use low-life moaning. McDonald's was rammed and the only space to park was there. I was in and out within 20 minutes and when I finished there were spaces. Well, the question is, does he have a point? And is the criticism of him unfair? Pick up the phone this morning, I'd like your reaction to this. Is it ever okay to park in a disabled bay if you're not disabled? Here's my telephone number for your call. It's 03459 555555.
This is the JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. So I'll take your call in just a second, but first let's get the latest BBC News. It's one minute past nine. Here's Simon Oxley. The headlines, injured holidaymakers flown home from Tunisia, man killed in Dunstable crash minutes after being robbed, an inquest into M1 deaths in Bedfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. Four British holidaymakers who were seriously injured in the terrorist attack at a beach resort in Tunisia have returned home on an RAF plane. They are believed to include John Metcalf from Hazelmere in Buckinghamshire and Gina Van Dort from Watford, whose husband Chris Dyer is among those feared dead. About 30 Britons were killed in Friday's shootings, eight have been formally identified. Colin Sutton is a former detective chief inspector with the Metropolitan Police. We need to provide information for the coroner. All these people, unfortunately, that were killed, there will be inquests. And, and so uh, we need to make sure the information is there for that. But also, there's an opportunity, of course, to keep us safe in the future. We can see what we can learn from this, what intelligence we can gather, how this attack was planned, how it took place, uh, so we can go forward and make ourselves safer, both at home and abroad. Police say a man who died after his car hit a wall in Dunstable yesterday had been robbed minutes beforehand. They're trying to identify two women who carried out the theft. 